back with another show. I am here with Michael Krieger. And right before we get going, I want to say thank you to the Bitbox O2 for supporting the show. If you are buying Bitcoin right now at these all-time highs, congratulations, you're a genius. <laughs> but if you're keeping your shit on exchanges, congratulations, you're a fucking idiot. So take custody of your Bitcoin after you buy it. Use a, hard a hardware wallet is a great way to do that. I've really been enjoying playing around with the Bitbox O2. A ton of great features, really easy to use. Also has some great features for the more experienced among us. So if you're interested in checking that out, go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash rapid fire for 5% off. Michael Krieger, what's up, man? Hey, John, very excited for this conversation. Kindred spirits here. You know, I think feel like we're same wavelength on a lot of issues. So let's, let's do it. Let's just talk. Yeah, um, I agree with you on that. And that's what makes it so difficult to figure out where to kick this thing off. I've been familiarizing myself with your writing and with some of your previous interviews over the last, you know, 10 years over the last couple of days. <laughs> and of course, you know, you're very active on Twitter, like many of us. And uh, I guess the, the best place to start is where's your focus primarily at these days? What's most interesting and relevant to you? Sure. Um, so I think my focus is pretty much it's, it's, it's changed a little bit, but it's pretty much been the same since I left Wall Street 10 years ago, which was after I recognized how pervasively corrupt um, the system is, not just the financial system, but essentially the corporate political system that we live under. Once I had that veil lift, lifted over my eyes, you know, my sort of mission was, okay, first of all, personally, I want to make sure I'm not participating, <laughs> you know, like I don't have to be involved. And and I'm going to try to live my life by principles that are counter to that. And that's what I've been trying to do um, with overall success um, over this past decade. Um, and in the process, you know, the reason I've, I've written and now that I'm on Twitter very actively started out really as a sort of alarm bell ringing. You know, that, that was in the beginning. I, I wanted I, I learned stuff. I knew stuff because of largely I was aware of a lot of this stuff because I worked on Wall Street during the financial crisis. And so a lot of the realizations Bitcoiners have come to later on, you know, I was in, you know, it happened to me in the fire, you know, of that, of that crisis when I started asking questions, you know, this is pre-Bitcoin. And, um, and then I felt like I had a lot to share. I felt like I had a unique perspective and I wanted to let people know what I thought, what the problems were, and then therefore they could sort of take action uh, in, in however they wanted to. Now I do that now a little bit, but my focus, I would say as of maybe a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago when I sh actually shut down my website, which had been running since 2012, is actually network, like trying to, trying to figure out how to network with people who are ready to, to sort of make lifestyle changes, to take action in various ways, because I feel like that's the only way out of this. Um, I even was still you know, uh, wrapped up to some degree, not heavily, but to some degree in fiat politics up until let's say, you know, to the 2016 election or so. I, I wasn't, I didn't have a candidate in that, but I, I thought it was still interesting. And I thought maybe there was still a chance to change things through the formal uh, mechanisms. But then I, then I, I came to the conclusion that that's not possible. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, I like to say you can't vote away imperial oligarchy. You know, that, I mean, that's essentially the, you know, economic and political system that we have mm -hmm. in America. And so if you can't vote it away, you sort of have two options. You can wait for it to sort of collapse, or you could take advantage of this window we're in now where it is weak, um, from my perspective, and push an alternative, 
you know, there's that Buckminster Fuller quote, which is like, you can't change, you know, the existing system by fighting it. You have to create an alternative reality um, that is superior. Mm -hmm. And so Bitcoin to me, and that's why I first got into it, was this, was that. It, it sort of like was the uh, manifestation of that full, uh, Buck, Buckminster Fuller quote. You know, there's a suddenly, <laughs> you know, this protocol was there and it was open and it had all these, you know, in, embedded in it, all these principles that were just counter to the fiat system that I despised. <laughs> and, uh, and so I embraced that. And so now I've come to start embracing people more you know, and, and, and the different people that have been maybe not necessarily only influenced by Bitcoin, but tends to be in a lot of cases. So like, you know, you had Joel the other day on your show. He's a great example. You know, he's a guy who's very into Bitcoin, very influenced on Bitcoin, but he's taking that philosophy and applying it in meat space to a distinct area of our, you know, economic system that needs reform. And he's just going out there doing it. So that's what I, that's what I'm interested in now. I'm interested in what can we do? How can we change this world by our actions? Um, and uh, I think a lot of people are doing that right now. So pretty excited. Yeah, I could not agree more with you on that. Um, I think we've all, you know, over whatever last 10 years, if not longer, been disenchan disenchanted with the methods of improving the quote unquote system, the traditional methods, right? And so there's been a lot of despair and disengagement as a result of that. And then Bitcoin has come around <clears throat> and reinvigorated people in terms of what they think the future can be, right? It's, it's, it's given them hope. You know, that's why, you know, hope.com and all this talk about hope is because now you, you see a, an avenue for things to improve and for things to be better. And that, that pulls on you to develop and transform yourself in order to be more capable of contributing to and capitalizing on that. And we see these like really dramatic transformation. This is one of the part of the things that I, I love about this phenomenon that I love to dig into. But I think, you know, we, we talked, we had a little back and forth on Twitter today saying like, it's, it's interesting to have a front row seat to what's going on. And, you know, basically a front row seat is being on Bitcoin, Twitter and make, mixing it up on podcasts and that kind of stuff. Because what most of the world is awake, waking up to now is, Bitcoin is a hedge against the debasement of fiat currencies. And now they're finally understanding that it's legitimate and they're making an allocation. What I think we are understanding is that this is the emergence of a foundational culture and civilization, like that level of dramatic change. And I know that sounds bonkers to people that aren't at the front row with us, but I like when we talk about the level and degree of and profundity of change that people are experiencing, changing their whole lives around, reorienting their lives, improving themselves, regaining health, developing stronger relationships, building strong families, communities, all that kind of stuff, secure, you know, getting more secure financially, physically, in all sorts of different ways. Like what's happening is that we are all transforming into the people that are going to constitute the foundation for a new culture and civilization. And that is. And we can't see it very clearly, right? We can only kind of get a glimpse because we're in, kind of in the eye of the storm. But like, if you step back a little bit, you can see that that's the process of unfolding. And if you, like, once you realize that, then all of this takes on an even greater gravity than it was before. Like, let's say you thought before it's kind of a pro political instrument. Like, yeah, I'm opting out of the, the fiat empire and I'm going into Bitcoin. But once you realize that the act of doing that necessitates building something entirely new, as you were saying, 
And then the act of building something entirely new is not just like a new money on which the economy can run, but like understanding how deeply ingrained the qualities and the, the aspects of the money affect us, right? Affect our behavior and our interpersonal relations and stuff like that. You start to understand that this is a far bigger change than just, you know, swapping out one money for a better money. Right. So one of the things that was very disappointing and scary, in fact, about Wall Street, where I worked, was seeing that, I mean, of course, there, was, there were pl- tons of mediocre people there, right? I mean, lot, more, more, than, more than really talented, actually. But there was a lot of brain power um, mm-hmm. there, right? And there's, I think there's less now. But, but there was a concentration of brain power there. Why? Because, you know, people want to make a lot of money. And that was one of the places to do that. And what really bugged me was seeing all that brain power, particularly when the crisis came and I realized what a fraud the whole thing was. Um, seeing all that brain power basically being wasted, in my opinion, you know, essentially chasing this sort of fiat system, but not, you know, it was, it was not a bigger, you know, sort of goal. It was, the, the goal was never to um, change the, the world in some, some profound way. It was, in, in fact, there was no questioning of it at all because there was mm-hmm. so much to be made. And so this is what I think um, always surprises me about Bitcoin and which makes me extremely optimistic is that you are now are attracting some of the, and you have been from the beginning really, but, but more so as the price goes up and people realize that they, you know, there are the proper incentives here. Um, it's attracting some of the, the, that brain power that might have been lost to, let's say, VCs or Wall Street. And now it's going into Bitcoin because it, it's, it's no longer, okay, I'm an iconoclastic person um, who doesn't like the system. So therefore, I need to eat cat food, you know, and march in the street with a flag. Okay. Right. Now you can, you know, embrace a system that properly aligns incentives, you know, in my opinion. It, it, it essentially is allowing this group of people, and already has allowed a lot, a lot of us that have been in earlier, the freedom to choose um, what sort of life we want to live, what sort of endeavors we want to focus on. And that, to me, is, I mean, there's no mathematical equation about how that plays out, except mm-hmm. for the fact that it's going to play out in a beneficial way, in my opinion. And yeah. so that's, the, that's what gets me most excited, is that there's, there are all, there's all this brain power, and not just like raw brain power. But I find wisdom too. Um, you know what, what? What's really gotten me excited about? And I'm I'm a bit late, I think, to the to the whole pleb thing. But <laughs> what you know, I really started digging into it with the laser eyes because I saw that that started with like accounts that had 1,000 followers, and it just exploded, and it was genius. And I still think it's genius. And um, then I started digging in more and looking at all these accounts and reading through their they're, you know, they're, uh, and, I, and it was just like blown away because I, I saw so much wit, intelligence, depth to all these Anon, you know, accounts, like, like cartoon avatars, you know, with, where they're just ship posting all day, but there's, there's a lot of depth there. And I just realized something that I already knew, like the whole, inf- you know, I feel like a lot of fiat culture has infiltrated Bitcoin over the last, you know, I've been in it since t- 2012. And, and it really, you know, and it's to be expected, right? I mean, we've been trained in the fiat culture. And so the Bitcoin ethos, I think, took a little longer to really establish like the root system that is now there. And so the, I think a lot of the fiat culture was dominating Bitcoin as well. The hero worship, the influencer who is, like I say, I mean, I think influencers take from their audience and plebs give to their audience. Of course, that's, there's a little of both in, in all situations, but on the net. That's, that's how I would define an influencer versus a pleb. 
And, you know, seeing that depth that was out there that I didn't even know existed, like blew my mind. And that's why I tweet, you know, tweet a lot about the plebs and, you know, we're collaborating on a pleb uh, book. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it's like, look, Bitcoin constantly surprises me. It's like, I don't pay attention for a little while. And then I find another layer of the onion and I just, and it just kind of blows my mind all over again. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, again, this is why I keep, it's a, it's a gift that keeps on giving, right? Cause you, you, every time you come back to it, you can peel back another layer of the onion, or you can go down even further in the rabbit hole. And you, you, you see even more of the, the ways in which this thing is impacting the individual. And one of the great things that, that about this, I mean, it, it's hard not to call it a movement at this point, but I want to caveat that by saying, like you mentioned, you know, holding up a banner in the street and stuff like that. It's like any previous movement was predicated on presuming that you had a better model or philosophy or ideology on which to construct things and then trying to make the case for other people to adopt mm -hmm. that and then trying to implement it, right? Whereas this one, it's so, it's like it emanates from the individual, right? The principles emanate from the individual and the, idea, the ideology is emergent from individuals embodying these, these characteristics and these, trans, these changes in themselves, right? It's the complete opposite of what most movements have been in the past. It's, it's grounding the change and the evolution and development in the individual, the strengthening, the, the freeing, the sovereignty, all of, that kind of, the, the, all of that kind of stuff. And then when you mix those types of individuals together, what emerges? Right. Well, what emerges is plebs, you know, is, is people that uh, don't give a fuck what each other think, but want to be open-minded and learn as much as possible from one another, but are still more than willing to say, fuck you to one another, because, you know, it, everyone makes up their own mind. Any, everyone has their own critical, you know, lens through which they put things. And, you know, again, drawing broad brushstrokes here, but it's the, it's the emergent qualities of those types of individuals in an ongoing process of evolution and development that's that we're starting to gain more clarity about what what kind of a, a culture and a philosophy is emerging from that substrate and it's really interesting to observe right and so this also goes into you know I, i've said for a while the only two political movements that are i'm interested in are bitcoin and localism right. and you know i've always considered bitcoin a political movement not a as you mentioned um you know homogenous right like we all believe the same things political but we do all, most of us, <laughs> I should say, certainly the plebs, have a certain ethos and philosophy that reflects the Bitcoin ethos and philosophy. And so one angle of that would be just the voluntary aspect of it. And I think this is what, one of the reasons, aside from the obvious desire to be able to save in a, in, a, in, a, in a way, in a manner that doesn't depreciate and keep you on a hamster wheel constantly, you know, running around like a slave, um, but also, you know, I think most of us, uh, other than maybe who we choose to marry, uh, who we choose to be friends with, other than that, that social aspect, the econ our economic lives are largely, certainly for the masses, completely involuntary, you know, right. and political lives as well, right? You're born, all of us, you know, I'm, I feel fortunate that I was born in the United, in these United States, but for everybody, it's a crapshoot. You know, you're born on a plot of land and you have a you inherit a you in you inherit a government and you don't really have a choice about it. I mean, that's it, <laughs> you know, and that's that's fundamentally a problem. 
And you don't just inherit the, the political system, but you inherit the economic system. And basically all countries have the same economic system with central banking and fiat money. And so you, there's no choice really in, in huge politics and economics are just two huge parts of being a human being. And 99% of us have had no choice in, in either one of those things. And so Bitcoin gives us a choice in at least the monetary realm for the first time in a really profound way. And so this is one of the reasons I think it changes people as well, because people understand once they, they see that a system can evolve that allows this or sort of takes away the state function and allows humans to voluntarily cooperate, you, you start asking other questions, which is why is the political system like this? Right. I mean, right. why why do we even have why is representative democracy even a thing in, in the way it is today? Because the, the truth of the matter is uh, the reason it had to be done that way in the past was, you know, you had all these states that were separated. So you had to get a guy to physically be in Washington, D.C. to to represent you. But if you think about it, I mean, this concept that you have one person uh, in your district, right, in the House and then two people at the state level. And they're supposed to do what you think in some weird way. It's ridiculous. It's clownish. It's preposterous, in my opinion. And so I think we're living in a, a world where 95% of the way we do things as human beings is completely ridiculous and outdated. And we're transitioning right into a completely different civilization or mode of human interaction and engagement. And I think Bitcoin is that tip of the spear, right? It's the first manifestation of this new kind of civilization. Um, and I don't think it's at all the end, right? I mean, you, like I said with Joel before, you know, what he's trying to do with cattle, okay? I mean, this is, this is the, these, these philosophical underpinnings are applicable to nearly everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that Bitcoin does is, and few things are more, foundational or fundamental to money so having a clarity around money is perhaps one of the greatest clarities you can have but you know once you understand bitcoin and then you learn about the existing monetary system and all that kind of stuff you you can recontextualize or or in my opinion see with greater clarity the past the present and the future Right. And this is why people sometimes characterize Bitcoin as kind of like hacking reality, because like, you you know, or seeing the matrix for what it is like, you can kind of it bestows a greater clarity about how everything works and, and potentially how things could work. And once you have that perspective, then you can apply that to a lot of different things. And so, as you say, with Joel, like, you know, he, he just took that perspective and grafted it on something that he was he found meaningful and that he was interested in. And that's going to be the case. For everything. I mean, that's how you build the new system is you take that new way of looking at things and you apply it to things that people want and need or that you're that you find meaningful. And what you find is that though, you know, those little tweaks with a greater foundation and the tool that you know Bitcoin is allows you to, to create something really unique and with aligned incentives and better product and service and better for you know most parties involved. And that's really, that's really interesting. It's going to be awesome to see how that plays out, you know, by more people doing the same. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, that's exactly, that's exactly it. It's, it's this, it's this, it's this window into what we could become. 
And yeah, I, I think that it's, again, it's, it's way bigger than any one thing. And for me, vaccine passport issue, for example, mm -hmm. okay. This is another re way I realized that the power of the PLEB network, okay, that, I'm, that I've been trying to sort of understand more fully and connect with people is that, you know, you've, you've seen my stuff on this. I think it's one of, I actually think it's the most dangerous, revolting, <laughs> disturbing idea or proposal I've seen in my life. And I've seen a lot. I mean, I've been studying like how the system works and the problems uh, for, for a decade, full time. Okay. This is the worst thing. This is the, this is the most disturbing thing I've seen. And it's not even close. Mm -hmm. And um, when, I, when, I, when I realized that, so for the first time in a while, um, a lot of what I've written about is theoretical, right? It's, it's okay, well, this is a problem, you know, surveillance on the internet, but all these things, right? Civil liberties. But when it comes to the fact that I could be living in a society where to take my kids to swim class, they need to show an app about their vaccination status, that's a real and imminent threat to my lifestyle, to my kids' futures. It's not like, a, it's not, it's, it's concrete, it's in my face. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people who've been following me for a while probably have noticed this, but I've gone into very consciously a fight or flight situation. Not, I'm trying to be as conscious as I can about, but I also recognize that this is a very serious and imminent potential, potentiality in my life. So, but what was so cool about it was, as soon as I realized this, I realized, okay, I don't, I don't have a network in Colorado of people who are very opposed to this and not just opposed to it, but will do something about it, including leave the state. Okay. And, um, or, you know, just network with each other. So I, I said on Twitter, I said, okay, you know, who in, lives in Colorado that's against vaccine passports, send me a DM. Let's talk, let's connect. Probably a hundred people connected. And guess what? 90% were Bitcoiners, maybe higher. And so that to me, again, showed me that the, the maturity of this pleb network. It's not, you know, you know, the, the, the fiat people who criticize, right, as just a lot of people number go up, right? They're just in it for the ride. Of course, that's a, that's a component of it. And I'm glad it is. But that, that depth, right, th that political understanding um, and my ability to now network locally on this completely separate issue, well, it's not totally separate in the end, but seemingly, right, superficially separate from Bitcoin is powerful, right? I, I mean, that network, so this is the thing. I mean, the, the PLEB network is a network that extends way beyond an appreciation for Bitcoin. It, it, it is a, it's sort of like a standing army, you know, ready to battle all sorts of things that need to be fought. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we can dig into this, this a bit more, but I, I think part of the reason why that's the case is because as we were saying, like Bitcoin helps you recontextualize past, present and future, right? And as a result of that, you know, there's an extreme distrust and or, uh, you know, disagreement with the way things are and have been, right? right? All the way down the line. Like, I'm, I mean, I, I go about my business out in the world and like now, <laughs> You know, and I don't want to sound too, too, too like self-aggrandizing or anything, but like you, you do kind of feel like you're seeing through the matrix. Like you look at all these when you're out and about in your daily life and you see things, you can see how those things emerged as a result of being predicated on, you know, whatever, you know, fiat money, you know, and the systems of governance and society that are built on top of that and all of its different mm -hmm. crazy manifestations. And so it, it's once you see that you like it's not 
a lot of I've gotten a lot of pushback on my you know my uh, disagreement with the way things are going over the past year as well. But it's not just like everything was rosy and good, and this is just you know one little step, and we'll see. Maybe it doesn't seem so bad. Whatever you, you bring your passport around, but this is it's like it's death by a thousand cuts. But people think it's the first cut. It's been a things are so far down the wrong road. And I think Bitcoiners, with that clarity that they've gotten since being in Bitcoin and, and perhaps somewhat to, to some degree prior, are just saying like, no, this is this is another very big step down the you know the very wrong road. So why would we ever acquiesce to going further down the wrong road? We're we're trying to go down a completely separate road, you know. And and of course I don't fucking trust you, you know. <laughs> look 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 at all the myriad things that you've done. That I, that I already have reason not to trust you. And look what you're getting away with already. Like, again, people, you ask the average person, like before the pandemic, what's, how is life? Like, hey, it's, it's okay. But like, we know how egregious the theft and the abuse and all this kind of stuff has been, you know, at least since 1971, but in many ways, part of that as well. You know, we, it, we, the system that we have I mean, there's no other way to say it. we're we're in the cave. You know, society is in is in the cave, oh, and they, they just don't realize what it's like outside yet. Right, right. I think uh, one of the things that I mean, I struggle with this, and uh, increasingly, you know, I just come to accept it. But you know, you have you seen these tweets or or, or articles where they say like a huge percentage of the population doesn't have an internal dialogue. You know, like like literally, like they're 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 not thinking in their own heads. They're just sort of. I mean, it's scary. I, I hope it's not true, right? Because I have the opposite problem. I wouldn't be um, super surprised, but yeah. But, but that's scary, right? I mean, what yeah. that is essentially, and I see it in the sense that, okay, let me give you an example. So around here, um, when you go on hikes or you're outside, a decent percentage of the people, including their children are wearing masks. And I'm talking about outside in the Colorado sun, which is very strong, great vitamin D going on, beautiful, fresh, crisp air, um, not close to anyone else, right? Totally far away from anyone else with masks on and outside and their kids too, you know, nine years old, eight years. And this is, this is very disturbing to me because to me, that human being has stopped thinking. I mean, that, that, that is what that represents to me. This person is just not using their brain anymore. Yeah. And so what do you do about that, right? I mean, my conclusion has basically been, and I've been very vocal about this, I want to connect with people who are using their brains. <laughs> they don't have to be using their brains exactly like me, but they're using them. Because, the, because someone like that is just listening to the television or the newspaper article, right? That says this or that, right? This is how things are. You got to do this. You got to do that, right? I mean, if tomorrow, right, the television said, you don't need to social distance anymore, right? They wouldn't give any proof, right? But the television, right? Like a person in a suit on the television said, okay, you can go and be in a crowded bar now. It's over, don't worry. These people would take the masks off, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's yeah. true. And then, so that's why I, why I say with the zombies, and I don't mean this to be pejorative or insulting, actually. I'm quite frankly, a concern, just concerned by it, right? Yeah. But, but, on the, but on the flip side, you know, you do have a lot of humans that are, that are thinking and are becoming more conscious, right? The, the, as the quickening happens, and there's clearly a quickening going on right now when it comes to the agenda, which I obviously have thoughts on, you know, um, which, which is being un, you know, unfolding before our eyes right now. 
uh, it is making people more resolute and conscious. And like I said, I mean, I've been speaking about the vaccine passport very vocally. And I mean, I have hundreds of DMs now every day where people are just like, thank you. Thank you for speaking up. I, you know, I agree. It's the line in the sand, but I mean, I've been on Twitter since 2012. I've been tweeting, I've 95,000 tweets, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, never before on, on no issue has this ever happened. So yeah. there's something stirring, right? It's not just Bitcoiners, although a lot, of, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a high percentage. Um, so there's something stirring, but at the same time, we also have to understand and be realistic that there's a non-insignificant percentage of the population that have essentially shut their brains off. Why, how, I don't know. But you can't get to someone that has shut their brains off, okay? Mm -hmm. You can't help someone that doesn't wanna help themselves. So my whole focus now is networking with people who not just wanna help themselves, who wanna actually, you know, in however way possible, contribute to this, you know, emergent civilization. 100%, you know, and I think, that's the best way to go about it anyways, because we've all gone through the periods where we think like, is, you see how, how fucked up things have become and you wanna to try to push back in some way, but that the, fighting it in that way is, I don't think is very effective. As, as, you, as you said, and as we keep bringing up, building something that makes the old one obsolete or, or that is so much better that it attracts people to it rather than having to persuade people. I'm sure we've all talked to people in our lives and we can share our perspective until we're blue in the face about all these different issues. And it doesn't even penetrate, you know, an inch of their perspective. But when, it, when this thing, if, if we all just contribute in the way that feels most meaningful to us into this emerging thing, and it becomes more vibrant and dynamic and positive and constructive and productive, and, you know, people's lives are being dramatically improved as a result. Well, that's a pretty fucking compelling thing, right? And so I think people will increasingly, and as that thing gets larger and larger, people will increasingly be like, hmm, do I want to be a part of, you know, the non-thinking, everyone tells me what to do, you know, social problems everywhere, uh, culture, or do I want to be over there where people are positive and supportive and constructive and building and hopeful? And I think, you know, uh, little by little, people are going to opt for the latter. Yeah. And, and so someone wrote on Twitter the other day, a pleb, um, that humanity is forking. And that's exactly, you know, how I've been thinking about it recently, too. I, I yeah. think that is what's happening. And you, you have people that are really going in different ways. You know, there are people right now um, that fear are just completely fear driven you know, and completely just listening to authorities driven because they're such in a fear state. And then there are people that aren't, you know, and, you know, can those two people live in the same physical location? I don't know, you know, that, that the answer to that is still unknown. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say this, right? Like to the extent that in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, um, it's not just, you know, two groups of humans forking, but there's a new dominant, let's say paradigm or ethos in the world you know, which I, I hope is the case. And it's, you know, reflective of, of a more conscious humanity, of a more voluntary humanity, cooperative humanity, right? Um, assuming that's the case, I mean, look, we don't even have to worry about the non-thinking. Because, you know, you said that some people are going to say, oh, I'm going to go over here, or I'm going to go over there. I mean, we have to remember, there's just a huge mass of people that aren't thinking at all, right? So they're just going to go, you know, they're just going to follow anyway. So to the extent that so, so, so it's a waste of time, I guess, right? We're not voting on Bitcoin, right? We're not, we're not trying to convince um, your neighbor to, to, to say, you know, I'm voting for Bitcoin this election, you know, and get 51% of the people. It's just not what we're doing. And that's not the way to change things. And, um, and so, yeah, so I think, I think that's the key. The key is to, right now, as you say, though, the key is to 
show that this is a better alternative and to, and to attract the, the people that are persuadable. And I think we're sort of in the meat of another cycle of that, right? Like that's what amazes me every time with the having cycle, right? It's like, it's not just the having, which, you know, we understand why that is impactful, but it's like in those waves of bull markets, you're all of a sudden seeing like a whole new crop of people that, you know, most of them are attracted by the price or the gains, but then a, a good percentage of those that are go deeper. And then, and you know, one of the things I always have said too, since the beginning is once you see, you know, the matrix or once you are convinced that, oh man, we got problems, you know, like this is deep, you don't go back, you know, you know, like cipher in the matrix, like you don't yeah. re-inject into the matrix. It's very unusual. I mean, I, I haven't really met even people that I know have been forced to, right. That, that didn't want to go back to the fiat, let's say economy and had to, because they have kids or whatever, even then, right. Like that, that they don't buy it. You know what I mean? They're just like, I have to do it, you know? Um, so that's the, that's the beauty of the truth, right? A lie has to be, you know, covered up and continued endlessly, but the truth is, is there. And, and once you sort of have a clarity of, you know, the reality that we're living in and the fundamental problems with it, it's, you can't really, if you really get it, you can't just flip that light switch back off. Right. It's like, you can't unsee that. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think the the only, you know, I think the only maybe distinction there is like, I think some people and some maybe we sometimes characterize it as Bitcoin derangement syndrome. But I think some people when they encounter the truth, I think one of the hallmarks of truth might be that it, it's transformative, right? Like it, because it's absolute, it requires you to change because it can't change, right? And that's kind of how it, it warps reality around you. And sometimes change can be really uncomfortable depending on where you're at or what it requires. And I think most people, when they see the truth, they see the power of truth and they think I'm going to transform myself to align with that, you know, because it's truth and there's a great power in that. And there's a great satisfaction and peace in, in aligning with that. But I think some people become so resistant to it. Uh, you know, the burden of transformation that it imposes on them is too much and they'd rather go back to being asleep and the, the right. cipher example is great right because he says i want you to wipe away my memory i don't want to remember nothing right right i want the steak <laughs> i want the <laughs> yeah. woman in the red dress yeah yeah i mean so i'll give you an example for me um i worked on i started my career on wall street in, in uh 2000 was it 2000, 2000 so summer of 2000 i worked in three world financial center i worked for lehman brothers Okay, so I was right next to the towers. Uh, a year later, 9/11, uh, I saw it, saw the tower, you know, saw the towers come down. One of them in person, physically come down. Um, it shocked me to my core. Right, I, I was ready to, you know, go to grad school in political science and join the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, it sounds funny to think, but that's literally like what I was thinking, yeah. because I hadn't up to that point questioned anything. Right, I, I had a privileged, life, you know, childhood you know, whatever. Now I'm on Wall Street. This is great. I'm great. This is great. Everything's great. Right. And um, I was gung ho, like, oh, you know, Bin Laden and this, and this, you know, let's get them. And it wasn't actually until the, and this is embarrassing to say, but it's true because I was on Wall Street for a decade and I'm full of my ego and chasing money and career and all that. But it wasn't until the crisis, right? It took the financial crisis. And for me to actually provably see how corrupt everything is and how much they're lying, for me to then go back and look at how my government deceived me, right? Uh, at 9-11 and completely bamboozled me. 
right? Like if I was a military guy, I probably would have volunteered, you know, to go overseas and fight this thing. And, and so that, that sort of shock, I think this is what you're sort of saying. Like when, you, when you're confronted with, that, with, with this level of lies, right? Um, you either re- just move on, right? You say, oh, I don't wanna go there, right? Or you say, wow, um, I was an idiot. You know, I've literally spent the last 10 years or maybe my entire life up to this point being a propagandized basically robot. And now I can, I have to face this, right? I have no choice. And so for me, just based on my personality, I'm not going to run away from that. But you're right. I think a lot of people will sort of the gravity of that, you know, like, oh my, uh, wow. They, as soon as 9-11 happened, they went to take all our civil liberties, you know, and that they went to war with a country, right? I mean, the, the country most involved, Saudi Arabia, <laughs> nothing happened to them. And, and we invaded another country. I mean, you go on forever, right? But the point being that, you, you, when you realize that you're just fundamentally like as a, as a citizen in this country, you're, you're a subject that's, that's meant to be lied to and kept in line. Um, when you accept that, I mean, you just can't help but critically think about everything. And that doesn't mean that my analysis is always right. Of course, I'm going to be wrong. I mean, if in fact, probably I'm too paranoid sometimes, but I'm comfortable with that. I'm intentionally that way, you know, mm-hmm. because if I know that the state or the empire or the oligarchy is actively, has actively been lying, provably, objectively been lying to me in, on the biggest issues of my life, my entire life. Hey, you know, I'm not gonna trust that. Yeah, well, it, this is what frustrates me so much about the dialogue today, uh, among many other things. But if your attitude is simply, you know, in, in the Bitcoin space, we say, don't trust, verify, right? Maybe in relation to, you know, software or, or whatever, but I think it's an ethos that, that permeates more broadly. And then, you know, maybe you tag on to that. And if you can't verify, abstain, right? Because like, if, right. If, you, if you don't know what you're dealing with, then just say, if I can at all abstain, I'm going to abstain because I don't, I don't want to take the risk of not knowing what I'm getting into or not knowing what I'm feeding into or what, not knowing what I'm believing or, or using to construct my perspective or whatever. And that's like an offensive perspective to people these days, you know, like people, and I shouldn't say these days because you and I have both been reading similar books lately. And I've been really trying to dig into the psychology that permits, you know, group think or, or a certain zeitgeist to take hold of people in certain periods of time and lead to really bad outcomes. Right. And people are offended that you don't share their same worldview and they're, and that you're not acquiescing to the same things they're acquiescing to. And, you know, the vaccine and the vaccine passport is a good example of this. The mask stuff is a great example. I mean, how many videos have, have we seen of people in some hardware store or shop losing their minds uh, at someone who doesn't have their mask on? Now, do you think that's because they're worried about the virus particles coming out of their mouth and infecting the, them with the virus or that they have been forced to acquiesce to something and they want to make sure that you do too. Right. Exactly. They want you to be just as controlled as them. And so the, the worldview of, Hey, I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm not going to impose anything on you, but you don't impose anything on me. That is a radical uh, perspective and approach in, in our day and age where people just ex- expect you to acquiesce to every single thing that they have done. So, and as you said earlier, primarily because it came out of that plastic box in their living room, you know, it's, it's the height yeah. of madness. I mean, we, we live in, in really off kilter, no, uh, no grounding times, you know, and, and there's many different reasons for that. And, you know, you could get into 
the lot, you know, the religious element and then the structural and the money element, but suffice it to say that we're in a time of almost complete relativism, right? And mm -hmm. that's, that's a dangerous place to be because anything can be justified. Right, right. So like, I mean, one of the things there that you, you were touching on is, you know, how to, how to, you know, totalitarian societies where, you know, massacres happen, how, how do they get a foothold? How do you, um, how are so many people going along, et cetera? I think one of the things that, and I've always felt this, right? Like when I, when I look back, right? Everyone says always my whole life, you know, like, oh my gosh, slavery. Like I would have been an abolitionist. No, <laughs> I wouldn't have, you know, oh, Nazi Germany. I would have split up and like, say, nah, you probably wouldn't have, right? I mean, because uh, what's, what's similar there is this, and it's human nature really, right? Um, in, in, in once the sort of, let's say Nazi party got established, right? Like how it gets established is a different is a different issue, which I think would be, I think that's the equivalent of the vaccine passports, by the way. Like if we go full vaccine passports, that's like 1933, right? That's the crossing of the Rubicon. And once you, once you get a certain system like that entrenched, right? And adopted and part of the society, then you're, then you're in trouble. And the reason you're in trouble, and this goes for vaccine passports, but it also goes for like, let's say Nazism, is that by 1936 or whatever, um, if you wanted to have a career, right? If you wanted to be successful, forgetting the politics, right? Like you could, you could have no opinion. You'd be in Nazi Germany and have no opinion on communists or Jews or gypsies or whatever, right? Your only opinion could be, hey, I need to make some money, right? Um, or I need to not stand out because if I stand out, I'm not gonna get that promotion. Well, that's how you become a Nazi, right? I mean, you know, most of these people that did, didn't harbor these, these grotesque uh, uh, feelings necessarily towards minorities and want them to be shipped over to camps. You know, they just wanted to, to have a success. <laughs> and that's where it's dangerous because people are, have a huge blind spot for this. They think that, they think that the evil that was done in prior eras is because the people were just, oh, you know, they weren't like them. They were just irrational and evil and hateful. And that's completely not true. I would say for 90%, of the people that go along, it's because they felt like they had to, or it's 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 the same with the vaccine. It's the exact same thing that would happen with a vaccine passport, right? Um, let's say all the airlines adopted, which is ridiculous because those aren't even private companies. <laughs> they just got bailed out. But let's let's say, let's say every airline. And I can see this happening. Every airline adopts the vaccine passports domestically. Okay. First of all, you don't have a choice then, right? Like if you if you want to fly, you basically have to participate. And then it becomes a, a, an issue with jobs. A lot of people have said to me, well, I'm gonna have to partake because I have to travel for work, right? Okay, well, there you go, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, then it becomes a situation where you create that two-tier society, right? Or a multiple that apartheid society where the people who, who just are ref will refuse to do something that they think they don't need to do or could potentially be dangerous like myself will be a different class of people, a different tier of people and unemployable in a lot of ways. And so that's the beginning, right? I mean, you don't come back from something like that. That gets entrenched and then people start calculating, right? And your average person is gonna calculate and say, you know what, I don't really wanna take this, but if I don't take it, I'm fired. Or if I don't, you know, I can't travel for work, right? That's how it happens, okay? So this whole idea that totalitarian societies form because all of a sudden the masses are overcome with hate or bigotry is a complete myth in my opinion. It is, it is you, you get that wedge in there, you start along a path, 
and then it becomes necessary to conform to have the sort of lifestyle that you want. And if I had to say anything about my interactions with human beings in my lifetime is that most people are cowards, period. Mm -hmm. you know? And I see, I've seen it in all sorts of issues and it's scary, quite frankly. And I'm talking about like, let's say there's a person that is abusing children in school or something like that, or like a swim, you know, uh, instructor. You know, I've, I've read articles about this, you know, and I've even to some degree seen it uh, in real life. The people will make excuses for that person or they won't say anything and they'll defend it and they'll defend it to the end. And it's crazy. I mean, you have children being abused and that's how this stuff continues. And uh, it's, it's disturbing, but I, but I guess my message is, you know, be courageous, right? And more importantly, right now is the time to be courageous because I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, I have high confidence that if, if, that, if a vaccine type passport system is ever pervasive in this country, it's, it's gonna be almost impossible to push that back within, you know, decades even. It it's, yeah. it's, can't happen, you know, yeah. let's put it that way. You know, reading these accounts is so fascinating on a number of levels, but you know, to those people, that would say, you know, oh, surely I would have been one of the courageous ones to stand up and, and, and oppose things. It's like, if that were the case, how come you're not standing up right now? And not to, to say nothing of the vaccine passports, but we, the, the egregious enslavement effectively, now, yes, it's taken some time to establish itself, but like the fiat currency system is one of the most egregious mechanisms of enslavement in human history. Yes. And not only are you not standing up and saying anything about it, you're not even aware of it. So right. don't tell right. me that you would have stood up to, you know, whatever evil in the past. And a couple other things. In, in one of the quotes I shared on Twitter, it said, like, we, there's such a hubris involved in the analysis of history because we have the ends. We know the ends. Right. right? So we know that it ended in like and in 1943, 44, 45 of all this egregious or all this tragic Holocaust activity, right? But in 1933, they didn't know that was gonna happen. And they had just, you know, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. We'll just, you know, whatever, we'll go along to get along. It's not worth fighting over this time. You know, we, want, we don't wanna kick up a fuss for this. We don't wanna attract all this attention to ourselves. So we'll let that little one go. And then we'll let that little one go. And, and you don't know what's at stake. You don't know what that turns into, right. you know? So you let it go and you let it go. And it was really interesting. First of all, at the, at, at the afterward of Ordinary Men, a, a book I just um, read about police battalion 101 in Poland, and they were tasked with going into towns and basically, you know, um, executing Jews. Um, and it was comprised of normal citizens, right? Like the voluntary sort of thing. It wasn't a part of the, the, the German army. And, um, and at the, and the afterward, they were talking about the experiments that have been done since and like social experiments saying that like, it's, there was, there was one, I forget the name of it, but it's one where you could, uh, shock, a, a, an actor, right? So you press right, the button, the button actor acts being shocked and if you're just by yourself i think only five percent chose to continue shocking the the actor and him getting more and more convulsed mm -hmm. but if you were the third person in a line of people that had done it before you right and then and if they and if they they put in some other variables in terms of reasoning 
then they yeah. brought that up to like 70 or 90% or something like that. So like the social, the social um, pressure mm -hmm. of, of, of acting in a certain way is pretty much the determinant of your behavior. And what's interesting about this police battalion example is at the beginning, a lot of them, you know, did it. They'd go into a town and they round up the Jews and they take them to the forest and they'd execute them. And the first time they did that, you know, they were ill, they were sick, you know, that night they had to get wasted drunk and it was all, you know, horrible. And then a few months later or a year later, it became far more routine as it would, right? You become desensitized to it. Exactly. And what's interesting is that no one, there were a, a very small percentage of those people that just could never bring themselves to do it. And they always like misfired or they decided not to participate in the, uh, in the shooting, but they were never reprimanded, right? Cause people have this idea that like, well, if you didn't do what mm -hmm. they told you to do, you'd be shot yourself. Right. At least as far as this example is concerned, mm -hmm. not the case. I mean, the, the, the government was not as authoritarian as, you know, we might believe at that time. I mean, because they had to keep up the conceit of the culture too, you know, like mm -hmm. if it was so obvious that people were being subject to this like horrendous machine that, which, that was just the embodiment of evil, most good people wouldn't play along with that, right? The, the whole point of, of studying history and, and using these examples to, to try to gain some insight into them is the insidiousness of the zeitgeist of the time and the beliefs that allows people to feed into these things when they're when otherwise they're good normal people you know and that's the point today that's the hubris i keep com coming back to because everyone who i bring this up with tells me like you know you're you're being paranoid and i'm saying but this is this is what everyone always thinks this is why we keep repeating the accidents of history because people don't step you know put their foot down when they still can, you know, when it's still effective to do so. Exactly. Like, so for example, you know, if in 1933 or 34, within the context of society, right, where the, there were certain norms that were still in place from before, if you started like, if neighbors started be loading into train cars, right, in front of you, you, you people would have been like, what the, right? But, yeah. but, but by the time it happened in mass, um, the society was fully totalitarian, essentially, and you would be right. You 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 would be scared for your life to say something or to get in the way. You might be pushed into those into those cars, you know. And so that's the difference, you know. People 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 don't realize how much courage. Well, it's not even courage. Like if you allow things to get to a certain point, you know, it's almost it's almost you have to sort of crash and burn, right? In the mm -hmm. and in the case of Germany, that was the war, right? Um, you know, so, but here's another point I want to make, which I think about, and I think it might help people um, in their daily lives, potentially. So you, so you mentioned the, um, the soldiers, you know, once they did it the first time, then they, they could do it again, which makes perfect sense, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same reason, like, if you're going to cheat on your wife or something, right? If you do it once, you'll probably do it again, right? Because you did it, right? You already, you already, like, you already crushed that, 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 that bond. Yeah, you crossed right. the line and, already. Right, exactly. Yeah. Whether whether you know your your spouse knows it or not, like you have you know it, right? Forever you know it. And so you did it, you know, you've already done it. And so this is what I try to do. And obviously I'm not perfect, you know, I make mistakes all the time, but I try not to make big mistakes because and I think this is about being conscious, right? A conscious person is conscious of their actions, right? As much as possible, and also more importantly, the karmic consequences of their actions. 
And the thing is like, and I always try to say this, every little thing matters, every little action you do, every smile you give to someone, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure you've met those people in your life, those rare people who you meet them and there's just it's emanating goodness in their mm -hmm. eyes. It's just like pure good. And they smile and they're chill. And you're like, wow, I wish I could be like that. <laughs> and, that and just like five minutes with a person like that can change your day, right? Yeah. And you're just like, Holy, you know what I mean? And imagine if more people were like that, right? Imagine if you could be a little bit more like that. And that's sort of the mission that I'm on, right? Like I'm such an imperfect person, but I know it. And so I try to just gradually and slowly improve. And I always say that if in 10 years, I don't look, I guarantee like I'm 100% certain that in 10 years, if, if I'm growing, right, as a person, and I look back at my Twitter, I'm gonna be like, oh my, you know, like what an ass, you know, like, like what a loser. And that's fine. Okay, I'm aware of this, you know, and just just like 10 years ago when I quit Wall Street and I thought I was so aware and all that, I look back, I'm like, oh, you know, some of the things I thought, some of the some of the behaviors I would have engaged in. So it's a whole process, but I do think it's very important to people to particularly on the big things. Okay, I think most of us know, you know, I think most of us know deep down when you're doing something that just ain't right, you know it, you know, you know, it's not right. And sometimes you do it anyway. And you need to understand that the consequences of that, not in like a next lifetime, although there may be <laughs> consequences to that as well, but in this one, right? Because that energy, that negative energy that you've put out there through your action, it's part of you now, right? Mm. Just like, just like, so I'm convinced those people that you meet, or even like the, let's say a spiritual guru who's genuine, um, you meet, and they just, it's not what they say, right? It's not, it's not that they're telling you certain things, right? It's, it's, they're, it's the, their entire aura is of goodness and like awareness. And that, how do you get that way, right? My opinion is the way you get that way is by having, you know, is by doing good actions, right? Every little action, having good thoughts too. I mean, that's the hard part also for a lot of people, right? Like you may not act on a bad thought, but you might have them, right? And so, you know, look, I mean, I think, I think one of the things that Bitcoiners do try to do to bring it back to that more so than the average person is that, right? Is, is that self-improvement? And in, in a lot of cases, you know, people talk about food or exercise and all that, and that's super important. I'm not saying it's not. But don't overlook um, every little thing you do in the day, every, every interaction you have with your family, with a friend, with a random is an opportunity to be better, right? And so I think it's really important that people, that to me is the essence of consciousness. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I love about the plebs, and, and this seems to be emerging more clearly all the time, is that kind of principled behavior, right? And because one of the things that I think is, is, precipitating the the dangerous circumstances we find ourselves in a, in a society is the kind of we kind of seem to be dismissing the importance of certain absolutes and like if you don't have something to ground you like everything like i said before everything becomes rel relative and then like on on what are you predicating the truthfulness of your perception like how do you know it, it, you're not living in a complete delusion you know, that's very, very hard. And as far as the society is concerned, that's why, you know, the kind of the hard fought battle of enshrining certain absolutes to say, okay, look, getting this many people together is a clusterfuck anyways, right? Lots can go wrong. Lots of problems can emerge. 
But if we can just agree that these things are not, that are, are untouchable, then we should, you know, maybe we'll be able to make it. And again, this past year is a great example of just saying like, well, in, under certain circumstances, we can, we can circumvent those or we can do away with those. And I think we do that at our, you know, tremendous peril because then we're off our mooring. Then like everything becomes, everything right. is possible. And the things that, you know, just keep a shred of things held together so things don't go fully to hell. If we, for whatever justified quote unquote reason, circumvent or do away with those things, and, and this is always the thing. Maybe we do away with them in a very harmless, innocuous way. But as you said before, the fact is, is we did do away. We crossed that line. And so when the time comes to do away with them in a way that's not so innocuous, it's far more easy to do because that hurdle's already been crossed. You know? Exactly. And I wrote, you know, a piece years ago, one of my favorites, really, which was, do the ends ever justify the means? Okay, because you hear that, right? People say it. They're like, oh, the ends of... And so, you know, from a philosophical, and I try to break it down, like philosophically, and then have a conclusion. And my conclusion is no, the ends never justify the means, right? In the sense that that is the philosophy of a tyrant or a narcissist, in the sense that you actually don't know what the ends are going to be. You, you, you can't know, right? Mm -hmm. in, some, in some cases, the, the ends might happen to be good, and you use bad means, but it could equally be bad, you know? And you don't know that. So therefore, the ends can't ever justify the means. And I think that's one of the things that Bitcoin also embodies, right? Bitcoin is a means, you know what I mean? It's, it's not like, you know, it's, it's a sort of a grenade in the, in the current system, but it's a peaceful grenade, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's trying to blow up the system in a way or get people to re revolt against or rebel against the system in a conscious, voluntary manner that's peaceful. Mm -hmm. um, and you could sort of fight the system in a lot of different ways, but Bitcoin is del deliberately peaceful and voluntary, open source, all these things way to, of doing it. And so this is another thing that you just mentioned. The moment, that's a line that you cross. I mean, the moment you start thinking the ends justify the means, right? And you, and you, and you sort of justify your knowing wrong behavior with that, right? Because that's what you're trying to do. You are not being conscious. And the moment you start saying that is the moment the slippery slope happens. Because if you're willing to do this, right, to, to get to there, okay, then what's stopping you from doing the next thing and the next and the next thing? Because the goal is, the end goal is the primary of uh, primary importance. And once that is the case, then you lose yourself. And I actually started really thinking about this mostly from Gandhi, some quotes from Gandhi. I was reading a great, a great book, by the way. Um, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the Bhagavad Gita. But um, so there's a translation according to Gandhi, and he has like his commentary on the different verses on the, you know, in the sides. And I got so much from this book. I mean, it was one of the transformative books of my life that I read shortly after leaving Wall Street. And you know, he 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 discusses the the fruit is not what you can chase, right? What matters is the action, what matters is what you do. And so it's like. He, that, that's why he also talks about doing, it's just doing without the end goal in mind as a certainty. So in other words, it doesn't mean don't do, right? But it means do in the right way. So like if he's fighting for Indian independence, there's all sorts of different roads that he can go down. But his point was this, he's like, yes, I want Indian independence, but no, Indian independence isn't so important that I'm going to sacrifice all my principles to get it. Yeah. And his argument was, if we don't get it, doing it the right way, fine, right? And I think that's important. 
I think, I think you need to be comfortable with that in your life. Um, that you may have goals, okay? But if you go about achieving your goals in a unethical way, I mean, you've lost yourself. You're killing yourself and you're hurting other people too. And so again, it's like, you know, perspective. And it's, again, it's, it comes back to consciousness. There's, 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 there's all sorts of avenues that anyone can take to achieve their goals, right? There's the shortcut, there's the unethical, and then there's the right way. And what I've found is that, and I, I mentioned this to a lot of people and they agree, is that when in my life, when I, when I read that, right? When I read the, the Bhagavad Gita, the translation by Gandhi, and it, and it hit me in such a profound way that I said to myself, whoa, okay, I need to, I need to try to live this way right? And I certainly wasn't always living that way before, right? But what I found is this, is that ever since I did, and I try my best, right, to, to get to my goals in, in the right way, life has kind of worked out, right? Doesn't necessarily give you what you want, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy. But I'm saying like, there's, there seems to be this flow that goes along with being conscious and and, and literally on every kind of major decision thinking, eh, you know, let me try to do the right thing. I think it feeds upon itself. And I, and I suggest everyone listening to this, try that, you know, to the extent that they're not already um, yeah. being, being very conscious of it. Cause I think, I think you'll find life a lot better and your relationships a lot better because there's that deception maybe, or that, you know, like that if you're consumed constantly by your goal, um, and you're just doing all these like nasty things to get there. It's just, it's going to make you an ugly, unhappy person, I believe in the end. Yeah. And, and the, the outcome of your behavior is going to be nasty as well. Like, and I think this is why I can't remember who said it, but um, why there's so much wisdom in this phrase that uh, evil is a knowledge that presumes itself complete. And I, because I think that is where you get to where you say, this is what the goal should be. Like, let's say you're not Nazism or whatever, like this is how society should be. This is what the goal should be. However, we get there, right. it doesn't, it doesn't matter because that goal is right. right. And that's where we need to get. And so it justifies all manner yeah. of horribly behavior, anything. Whereas if you, if you live in, in with the, the type of attitude that you just articulated, um, I think that's the way you find the path, right? I also think that's why it, it's such a courageous act as well, because you're basically putting a faith in my compass is going to be what feels good and right and true to me. And wherever that lands me, right. that's what I should be striving for anyways. So that's, I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with that outcome. Now it's not to say don't have goals along the way and all this kind of stuff, but generally speaking by you refining yourself as much as, as, as possible in line with, you know, the best version or best individual you can become in line with the things that are important and meaningful to you, wherever that lands you, it, I think is, is what the goal should be. And, and as you say, I think so many, and, and it, it, especially in the context of the world we live in today, it's very courageous to take that, like kind of not knowing what the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is supposed to be, right. and just letting that, that compass guide you to where it will. And that's why also, I think there's a, a great deal of, of narcissism in, uh, you know, your totalitarian, your tyrants and your, you know, mm -hmm. your po politicians and stuff like that, because, you know, they think they've figured out the best way to be, and they mm -hmm. want to impose that on everybody. And this goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the, the podcast, where what I see in, in the Bitcoin community and the plebs is like, 
everyone in their different way wrestling with that figuring out like okay everything's different now the world is totally different the world is obviously changing i'm a part of this amazing emerging world how should i adjust myself and transform myself accordingly how should i feed into that and and that's why i love the judgment of, of the plebs is because they they kind of keep people in line like if you're if you're being dishonest if you're being scammy you know the the cyber hornets come out to let you make you aware of that and that's 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 a great service in my in my opinion you know that that the the, the community kind of has that function and simultaneously it tests you like not only does it help guide you, but it tests your it tests your faith, right? Like how committed are you to the truth of both yourself and, and where you want to go? Can you be pushed off it by some meanies on the internet telling you that you're a piece of shit? Because if, if you can, that's something that you can learn from as well. You know, because my argument no. would be you probably shouldn't, if it's true, you probably shouldn't be able to be pushed off it so easily. Right. And so, one, you know, so to expand on what you're saying, um, one of the interesting things is like me meeting my wife, let's say, and getting married, having kids. You know, I did it a little bit later than most people. Um, but it was but it was the right thing in the sense, in this sense. It was around my leaving Wall Street in my late 20s, uh, maybe it was even early 30s, that I fundamentally had the all these realizations pre-Bitcoin. Pre and then Bitcoin sort of took it to a different, you know, it's weird. Actually, Bitcoin didn't change me as much. As, as it does change a lot of people, it's changing me now, don't get me wrong, but but I guess I was already changing. I and think then we're I in a similar Bitcoin. boat in that regard. Yeah. Okay, so I was already changing and then Bitcoin came into my life and I was like, oh, cool. Like this is, this fits, <laughs> this fits perfect into, into the path I'm going. Well, you know, yeah. let's, 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 wow, this is really cool. <laughs> um, it gave me a lot of confidence that maybe the universe is gonna provide us some tools, right? Because this is like, well, okay, come on, we need a little help here, right? <laughs> and, and, there, and then there's Bitcoin. So, uh, and that's why people say it's like a like religious cult and all that stuff. Because look, I do have those thoughts, right? But but the bigger point I was trying to make is that I was changing as a person. Uh, I was started along a path that I believe is a more conscious path uh, that I'll be on for the rest of my life, right? Um, and it was at that mo a point that my wife came into my life, you know. And then since then, the blessings of children and other things, you know, that have followed. But that's where I think. Um, this is the, let me let me let me sort of take a step back and say uh, here's what the fiat mindset is okay because I saw it all the time on Wall Street. So many people would say to me, okay, there were two types of people. There was the type of person that would say, oh, you know, I really want to do good in the world, but I'm going to make a lot of money first and then I'm going to do good in the world. Right, right? That, right, that's right. the that's the you're just tricking yourself, all right. And then there's the other guy who says, okay, I'm going to work really hard for 10, 15 years and then I'm going to retire. You know how many of them do that? Zero, pretty much. <laughs> They're all still there, right? Because it's a rat race. It's a game. Even the guys that, you know, the hedge fund managers that make billions, like, are they on a beach, like, enjoying themselves? No, they're just like, they're still chasing another billion. You know, it's like, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to fundamentally change. So so the the non-fiat mindset, uh, and there's also that, that, that feeling where a lot of people, again, a fiat mindset is to say, let's say you're not in a relationship. You're lonely, right? You're getting older. You want to get, you, know, you want to meet that right person. And you say, oh, if I could just re meet the right woman, I'm going to be complete, right? Or I can then achieve my, my dreams, right? For a family or whatever. That's a fiat mindset because no one's going to complete you, okay? You have to become the, the right person for the right person. Okay, because if you're not the right person, then obviously you're not the right person's not going to be into you, you know? And so, so for me, what happened was I started changing 
my perspective started changing. I, I started living by a different code and then these wonderful blessings came into my life. And so that's, as you were saying, I mean, that's the, the fiat mindset is having things backwards, right? It's like, it's like levering up, you know? I mean, I remember when I first learned this, I was shocked and I'd been on Wall Street for almost a decade. And my buddy was like, yeah, because things were kind of crashing and they were like, yeah, it's the carry trade. It's the yen carry trade. That's what's going on. And I was like, huh? And he was like, yeah, you borrow like a trillion dollars. It wasn't a trillion, but just for exaggeration, you borrow a trillion at 0%. And then you, you know, if you make it with a hundred times leverage, and then if you, all you need to make is 2% a year and it's because of the leverage, right? You're making, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> it's like, I was like, to me, it's like that person did nothing. Like they're, 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 they're putting systemic risk, right? In the system to make a fortune for doing absolute, right? They're essentially making a fortune. And this is pretty much the hedge fund industry at this point, right? They're making a fortune, these guys, for not only not adding value to anything, but they're extracting value and they're adding systemic risk to everybody. <laughs> I mean, and that's the fiat mindset. And the Bitcoin mindset or the pleb mindset, again, it's back to, we want to do good, but with it without sacrificing society. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and so like the crazy thing is, and I've been saying this in private conversations to a lot of uh, plebs that I've been talking to, I just say like, you know what? All I want at this point is I want the world to make sense for once. You know, I've been here 40 years plus. It's like, it's never made sense. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, and, and I remember it from being a kid too. Like I went into a, a, a sort of unthinking NPC phase when I was on Wall Street for about a decade. But when I was younger, you know, I always was like, what is, what is wrong with humans? <laughs> you know, like, what is, what is this? You know, what, what planet did I come into? Mm -hmm. And now actually I feel like it makes a little bit more sense because I feel like, oh, okay, there's this great opportunity here to actually transform everything about how humans do things into a sane way. Because let me tell you, I've been living for four decades in complete, <laughs> around a complete insane world. And I'm, I'm sort of like, why? Why is it like this? Yeah. It doesn't have to be, right? Well, dude, the, the, I, I've, I've characterized it this way for ages. Um, but what I feel Bitcoin does, or my experience, right? Very similar to you things never made sense. Everything seemed insane, you know, gold bug before Bitcoin, because when the world goes to shit, at least I'll be protected and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, but there's a deep despair that comes from feeling so incongruent with the world mm -hmm. and Bitcoin has emerged. And as you understand what it represents, I have found the exact opposite now, like such a, a, such a fitting congruence with the world. And that is the most amazing feeling because when you're, when you're used to living in a world that doesn't make any sense and then it flips and 180 and now it makes a perfect sense and mm -hmm. you, you, you can see how it makes sense and like everything just aligns. I mean, that, first of all, that's, you know, there's perhaps no greater gift or few greater gifts than that, than thinking that like now reality makes sense. But I want to touch on something that, that you brought up is like, once you started living a certain way, as, as you described, great things started happening, right? Your wife, kids, lifestyle, and that kind of stuff. And I think this is part of the, these two issues is why the religious commentary pops up with Bitcoin a lot, right? Because like when you, I mean, living rightly and then having reality 
open up to you and, and succeed in reality. I mean, that's pretty much the basis of religious thought, right? It's like living in accord with God, the structure of reality, whatever. And if you do that successfully, you know, the world opens up to you. Mm-hmm. Well, here we have this thing that we're, we're, we're saying that its emergence and our understanding of it and our engagement of it has made us feel so much more congruent with reality. And then that's freed us up to act in a manner or change our behavior to align with that in some way. And as a result of doing that, the world is opening up to us. I mean, I mean, that's, it's not hard to see why the religious connotations emerge, you know? I don't even, I don't shy away from it anymore. You know what I mean? I'll just say, yeah, it's, 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 it's a religion. So, and, and, and even more so I, I had this <laughs> once where I joked, and I said, I said, Bitcoin's come back from the dead more than any other religion, you know, <laughs> more times than any other religion. Right. It's like, you, you can embrace this, right? Like, I mean, if all these fiat people want to like put that on us, you know, as if it's some negative, like whatever. And actually one of the things I did say early on, like I, I think back to even 2014 is I said the best chart to, to think about with, with Bitcoin is if you charted Christianity from the beginning members, right? That's, that's the sort of thing. Have you, done? Have you, have you seen <laughs> no, that? No, no, no. <laughs> but I can imagine, right? I mean, it's yeah. like slow, 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 feeding to the lions, right? I, I mean, that's kind of, uh, it's, it's the only thing, right? I don't think there's any other, uh, you can't compare it to a corporation. It's not that it's so much bigger than that. Right. And yeah. so, you know, and that's one of the things um, that I've, you know, just to go back to the plebs and the pleb network concept, that's been so so beneficial to me. And I, and I mean, I'm just talking the last two months. I mean, the amount of people that I've met in the last two months, including yourself, that I consider friends now, and more than just friends, right? Like, I don't know if you feel this way, but I, I definitely do. Even my friendships, close friendships um, that I've had in my life, there's always something missing. There's, there's, there's for the most part, like there's, there's, a, there's a level of dialogue that I can't quite, I'm not quite connecting, even though I love them. Right. And I'm not trying to say I'm superior, but it's just a different perspective. Okay. And with the plebs, what I've noticed with the plebs is like I can have conversations with them on DMs that I just can't have with most people. So that's very empowering, you know, to, to sort of find your, to, to, as a human, to say, okay, um, if I'm born in New York City, which I was, and then I go to this school, okay, I have a very limited pool from which to choose friends from. Right where I live, what school I go to. And now I'm like at home all the time. So, right. But, but the point is that's it, right? You're in a class. There's 30 kids in your class. Okay. You, 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 you find some you vibe with, you're friends with them, but that's a small pool. And so what the pleb network has done for me is it's opened the world essentially, right? It's like, it's like laser eyes. <laughs> and then it's sort of like you chat a little bit. What I've loved doing is just back and forth, right? Like uh, comments with with all these random plebs, just being like, "Oh, I like this guy," <laughs> you know, like, "Wow, I like this person too," or yeah, "Oh, so- look at this weird avatar," right? I, mean, I don't know who these people are. I have no idea what they look like. I have no idea what the heck's going on or where they live. But I'm like more connected to them than mm-hmm. most of the people I've ever been around, and that's empowering, right? And so, you know, that's the that's one of the things that's that's so impressive about about this network is that protocol aside, right? Just the social network of it which I think, as, you, as you, t- you mentioned earlier today as well, about the culture, the civilization, it's that there's never been a time in human history before, not even close, where 
all these like iconoclastic, stubborn kind of, uh, you know, steadfast um, against the normie society people have been able to meet, <laughs> to been able to sort of connect with each other. Mm -hmm. And you can't possibly um, predict what that's going to be. What we rate like 10 years from now, like what those connections will lead to and where we end up. And that's also why when people say, oh, the internet, you know, hasn't fulfilled its promise. We thought it would be liberating speech and um, freeing this. And, but look at Facebook censoring. It's like, you're taking such a myopic view, okay? The internet has been around in sort of this, let's say with social media, maybe 15 years, right? Maybe not even to like a big degree. That's nothing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, right, we had thousands of years of, of human civilization with none of that. And now we've had 15 years and you're saying it's a failed thing, no, no. So it's like, this is just the beginning, right? It's not just, not just with Bitcoin though, right? And that civilization, it's like, we're still in the early stages of human beings globally, voluntarily connecting with one another, forming networks. And then from that, the kind of fruit that will emerge, dude, like we're just getting started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you really can't predict it. But, you know, it's, it's been said, commented by many plebs on, on Twitter that, you know, it, it almost seems like we were all that person who was like, you know, we had our social groups, but right. we were the, uh, the weird one a little bit, right? <laughs> we were the one that never really jived, but we went along to get along. And Bitcoin emerged and it's brought us all up out of the woodworks. And then we finally found our quote unquote tribe, right? And I, I know the tribalism, you know, slurs get thrown every, you know, back and forth. But what I mean is like, we, we found those people on which, you know, whose wavelength were, were on the same, right? And, and we're also, and we're transforming in a similar way. And it's, and as you say, I mean, like everyone loves number go up, right? And that's critical to sovereignty and security and, and stability and all that kind of stuff. But uh I've always been someone who's really valued relationships in my life, right? And so if I go on a trip and I end up meeting like one great person and we have an awesome time and really jive, I could, you know, I, I drove an RV around Europe in, in the summer of 2018 uh, at great expense. Um, but I ended up, you know, finishing a, the, the four month journey with like probably three people that are now like really close friends. And even if the trip cost me like 40 grand or whatever, I consider it worth it. Because, you know, that's how much I value relationships. And now to have it connected with so many people that are thinking in a similar manner and that are open to similar things and that have, you know, similar approach to principles and values and truth and meaning and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, is by far the greatest benefit of being wrapped up in all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the interesting part about, I've been reading a lot of Jordan, Jordan Peterson lately, particularly his book, Maps of Meaning, which is kind of looking at the this, well, the psychological significance and origins of the religious myth and the hero's journey and the, the, those sorts of stories. And, you know, one of the ways he characterizes how they emerge was like, we have millions of years of human history, right? And as a result of observing our behaviors with one another and seeing which ones succeeded for the individual, which ones succeeded for the group, and then which ones succeeded, you know, maximally to, to both, we, we started to develop these stories that kind of were an expression of the archetypal person, the, the, the best person, right? Um, and yes, I know religion has a lot of baggage and it's, you know, a lot of bad stuff has been done in the name of it. And perhaps we should, you know, perhaps it's rightly being discarded now, although I think everyone should be very careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater on that one. But uh, my point in bringing that up is now 
because of the internet, just, just the feedback loop of us observing ourselves is now like, just think about it. You, you basically for millions of years, it was like you, one person and their relatively small community of people, whether mm -hmm. that's a hundred or a thousand people. And so the feedback of like observing behavior and feeding it back in and changing and feed was, was very slow. Mm -hmm. Now it's happening at just like a breakneck speed on a global level. And so we shouldn't be surprised that as a result of doing that in a similar process that happened before, we're now, as a result of all that ob observation, you know, an even greater refinement of quote unquote successful interaction and behavior will emerge from that, right? We'll, we'll find something that unique that emerges from our greater ability or, or greater speed at which we're observing ourselves, you know? Exactly. So, and this is great because I, I did want to talk about this. Um, so one of the things that a lot of Bitcoiners talk about this, I've been thinking about it for a long time, and it really is the test of the, the early internet, let's say the early internet age, is how this cycle plays out, okay? Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of cycles I believe in, um, way bigger ones than just the, uh, you know, generational cycle discussed in the fourth turning, but let's, let's address that for a second. Okay, so when people think about that, the 80 year, let's say cycle, 80-ish year, um, they look at prior ones and they say, whoa, gosh, civil war, revolution, bloody revolution, um, world wars, right? Um, in American history, that's, you know, that's basically been, been those cycles. That's what's coming, okay? We're gonna have this giant bloodshed, we're gonna have this giant war, World War III, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, all completely possible. However, okay, in every other cycle, in every other cyclical period, there was no internet, okay? When this stuff went down. And what are the implications of that? Well, the impl one implication, one obvious implication is that human beings globally weren't able to sort of in real time discuss like, whoa, look, look at what this elite's doing over here. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to get us to go to war, you know? Like we don't wanna go to war with each other, like what the, right? And so that wasn't possible. And so just the ability to manipulate, um, of course the internet allows different kinds of manipulation, but I still think the signal um, eventually will get over the noise and we can call bullshit better, okay, overall. And so that's what I find so interesting about this current period. And let's say like the 2021 to 2025 period, which I think is crucial for sort of determining what path is this gonna take, right? In other words, like how does this paradigm get to the next paradigm? Is it going to be like it did in the past? Is it going to be different? Can it be more peaceful? And I think that what a lot of people are underestimating in this, when they when they go right to the, oh my gosh, bloody war thing, is the internet, okay? And that doesn't mean it will stop that or it will morph this cycle in a different way, but it definitely can. And because it can, we should try, right? We should, we should be out there being like, hey, like, what? Like, I don't like the Chinese government. I don't like the Russian government. I don't like my own government, right? But we certainly shouldn't be killing each other right? for, for no reason about this. Like, let's clean up our own house and as humans evolve. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a real possibility here. And if, if, if not in this cycle, maybe in the next one, right? But, but this is something that I think- what, What's a possibility? Evolve? Possibility to avoid the, mis the, the, the mistakes of the past okay. and transitioning, right? So like, from pre-Bretton Woods to post, from pre-US hegemony to post, right? I mean, that, you know, and, and okay, so related, right? A lot of people will say, particularly in uh, 
FinTwit, right? Or macro Twitter or whatever. In my opinion, a very binary, overly binary view of, okay, the US is gonna be the global hegemon um, in tw post 2030 still, right? Like not in your lifetime. Like the US is gonna be the dominant country forever. Like you're gonna die. Okay. And then there's the ones that say, no, you know, the US is declining. China is gonna be the dominant power. It's gonna be the, it's gonna be the global hegemon. Okay. Well, that's just a very simplistic way of thinking about outcomes and one that I don't uh, at all think is inevitable. Now, is it possible? Of course it's possible, but it's equally possible in my opinion that the next paradigm is networked humanity figuring things out, right? In, in voluntary sort of ways, because we have the technology to do that, okay? Like Bitcoin is the first example, like a state function, right? One of the reasons you might want a state is for them to print money or for them to back money, right? And then I mentioned this on, Mar you know, Mar I think it was Marty's podcast, but even when gold was functioning as money, it wasn't just like blanks, blanks of gold, right? It was a coin with a stamp on it. It was like Caesar or whatever, right? I mean, that's what gave it the validity. So it was always, even when gold was money, it was still a product essentially of the state or backed by the state with that stamp. Mm -hmm. um, and Bitcoin, like, so Bitcoin completely demolishes that in a way that's never been done before, taking a state function and making it stateless. And so that can be done in all sorts of different ways. And so if you question, so, you know, and by the way, I, I'm clearly not the, the only one that's been saying this. I mean, this has been written about for decades, but we have to, we have to really acknowledge, and I know a lot of Bitcoiners do, but I think more, more, more normies have to really think about the potential that the nation state itself is the paradigm or even imperial meat space paradigms is not necessary or are unnecessary at the, at, in, in the coming future. And so it's going to be a wild time, right? Because you have, right, you still do have nuclear stockpiles, right? I mean, you have intelligence agencies, you have all sorts of problems, right? Like, it's like we've created, as we mentioned before, like, it's insane, right? I mean, like, like we've, like, we, we've been left with this baggage that is like of a prior, let's say, human civilization that is so crazy that, that we need to, like, sort of, like, um, disarm it <laughs> peacefully before we can almost go to the next level. But I do think that um, I hope that if any, anybody gets anything from this conversation, it's that we need to get to the next level, like truly the next level. And one of the things that um, I don't know if you've read these, but my favorite series I, I probably ever wrote on my website was about the spiral dynamics. Are you, are you familiar with that at all? I heard you mention it in uh, your pod with Max and Stacy, but I, and they were like, what? <laughs> yeah. They thought I was on drugs, like during the podcast. <laughs> that was hilarious. Okay. So, so I would, I would, I would take a look. So for the people that, um, I still get this to this day for the people that if this connects with you, it will connect with you on a level like Bitcoin did, like I promise. And if it doesn't, are you, are you going to briefly explain it? It's, it's really not explicable in the way I want to in a, in a podcast, which is why I didn't do it well with Kaiser, but I will give you the basics. Okay. The basic, the basic idea is that humans will sort of resonate on different consciousness, consciousnesses. And what these guys have done, I mean, this is, these are like psychologists back to the seventies guy Graves, Claire Graves, I think was the, was the one that first, and it's, and it's, and there's like hard science behind this too. Okay. And, and what, what, what's been done is they sort of put different levels, they colorize it. Some of the people do that where they're like, okay, people sort of 
resonating on this level of consciousness tend to believe in this, right? Uh, and then others, this, this, that. But the, but the important thing was what they found is that a certain percentage of humans, small, right? I think at the time it was between one and 5% were resonating on an entirely different level, right? So it's called second tier consciousness. And what happens at second tier is a completely different way of viewing the universe and your fellow humans and systems that is inexplicable to those still in first tier. When you and say resonating, do you mean like just thinking a certain way? Or are they actually measuring something about you? No, you, you, you just mean like okay. kind of what they're thinking about and are, are no, what, seeing? Okay, so good question. No, so what what it is, is it's a, it's a be it's a way of being essentially, like essentially see it's a way that you see things in awareness yeah, but how do, how do they how right. do they characterize right. people right that? so so the way it's the way it's understood that someone is let's say there is by some of the symptoms of their actions okay okay so so what is characteristic of a more first tier is a uh, a drive what's driving you or striving the human is essentially to prove something in some way right like it's very egoistic driven okay like i whether it's a chasing of money or fame or power, it's that that human is very, almost needs to check a box, right? Um, and that box is like, say, like we talked about before, goal-oriented. Mm -hmm. And so they're very goal-oriented focused. And so they may do whatever they need to do to get there or whatever. Whereas like a second tier consciousness person is, is not really thinking in that way. And they're more in a giving sort of mindset where they're sort mm -hmm. of, okay, I want to provide or I want to offer, um, as opposed to the, the one person is chasing and the other is more giving. Okay. And that's really the, and that's really the difference there. Mm -hmm. And so obviously like if you're in a more of a, if, if you're less goal oriented, um, and that's driving everything about you, you're going to just interact in general differently as we talked about before. And so that's the, that's the crux of it. But I wrote a five-part series on it. I, I Check it out if I were you. I yeah. think you'd love it. Um, and, you'll and you can dive deeper into, into the, the real thought leaders on this. I mean, one of the guys is this guy, Ken Wilber. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's, he's written some Sounds very- familiar. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty, in, the, in this sort of sphere, he's a, he's, a, he's a guru. You probably like some of his books. Um, but but uh, what, what two of the guys actually, I think it's Cowan and Beck, wrote a book called Spiral Dynamics. And what they talk about is how they approached it, like right? South African apartheid, like they, appro they approached that problem from a spiral dynamic standpoint and had huge success. So it's, it's, very, it's a fascinating topic. I mean, it's a huge rabbit hole. This is not, this is com comparable to Bitcoin in a lot of ways in that mm -hmm. I can't in five minutes, right? <laughs> right? You'll have to read it. Here's the other problem though. If you're, <laughs> so when it comes to sort of different levels of consciousness, so for example, when I meet that person on the street that's just emanating goodness, like we talked about, that just is, has such an incredible vibe, and I see that, and I'm like, I wish I could be like that, right? I actually can't. That person is probably on a, right? He's like second tier, right? He's, 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 his sort of vibe is on a level that I am not, right? Mm -hmm. and, I can, and, and he can explain to me what it's like, probably, you know, sort of how he sees things, but I can't actually relate. And that's the weird thing about consciousness is that you can't, and this has been my experience at least, you know, as I evolved as a person, it wasn't like I thought about it. 
and was like, oh, I'm going to be more conscious now. <laughs> you know, it's like, it just kind of happens. Mm. And for me, what sparked, I think, uh, evolution personally was the ego death that me giving up Wall Street allowed. And, and the reason it did that is because before the crisis, I was all ego, right? I'm in New York City. I'm young. I'm in my 20s. I'm making a lot of money. I'm full of myself, right? I'm like, I am amazing, right? <laughs> great. Look at, look at me, right? I mean, that's literally like probably what I thought every day, okay? And, it, and at work, I mean, it's an ugly person in so many ways, right? But that was the gift of the crisis to me. The gift of the crisis was when I, I saw them bailing my ass out, right? When I saw them bailing out people like me, I was just like, I'm not great at all. I'm good at my job, but the reason I'm making all this money is because I'm in like, I'm right there next to the fiat printing press. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that allowed, that allowed a sort of ego death for me because it, 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 it opened up. I, I was, I had to honestly assess what I, who I was and, and how false the perceptions of me were. Okay. Yeah. And so, and so then that allowed me that, that, that gift. It was also like, I didn't have anything to prove anymore. Right. I knew I could succeed on Wall Street. So like, I don't, I didn't need to check that box anymore. And that opened up a different, a different way of thinking and a different realm for me. And so that's, that's what the gift was. Yeah. And I almost think there's an element, you know, ego death is represented in the psychedelic realm a lot as well. And it's like, basically, however it comes about a crisis, a near death experience, you know, your experience, psychedelics, everything that you, all the different things that you use to construct your identity get destroyed in one moment or in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. And then you're confronted with the question of what's left, what's right. left and what's left is something, you know, maybe we can't articulate it. Maybe, you know, spirit, energy, essence, whatever, like whatever that thing is, well, that didn't go away, but damn near everything else did go away. My body and that thing that animates my body stayed, everything else went away. And that's like, you know, that's incredibly unsettling, which is why people have such a difficult time with these experiences and resist them to to great degree, but also why they can be so constructive, because then you can more consciously build back from that place, you know, knowing that that place even exists, because I think a lot of people don't they 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 these people that you were mentioning before that are kind of unthinking. Uh, they asso associate entirely with the manifestations of the facade of their identity, right? Their name, mm -hmm. country, sports team, you know, political philosophy, whatever, and not something that's maybe more fundamental and maybe more eternal and maybe more universal, you know, down at the base of things. And so I, you know, I think that's why those experiences can be so useful, but just back to your kind of I think part of what you were articulating with the spiral dynamics piece is I like the term the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed, right? So some, you know, some people are engaging in a certain way and other people are not. And some people are adopting a technology and other people are not. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the things that I think is responsible for the rapid, fun, you know, uh, and, and significant transformations and change that we're seeing amongst, you know, some people in the Bitcoin space and this is just one aspect, but I think we're all just so hungry, it seems, or many of us are so hungry to, to understand things more broadly, better, you know, to have a more clear perspective founded in truth. So like when someone releases a book, 
right? And and it and it you know someone on on Bitcoin Twitter is like, yeah, this book was really great, and this is what it talked about. Everyone else is like, oh fuck, I better get that book. Like I gotta get that book, and I gotta read it. And like right. there, there's some gamesmanship and, and brinksmanship and that kind of stuff, which is great. You know, it's, it may, it keeps it interesting. But but it's like there's this voracious appetite to to almost use you know the other participants in this community to like accelerate your understanding or your your path toward we don't know right all we know is like we continue to try to develop a clearer perspective a, a perspective more grounded in truth because i think we we even if subconsciously understand the benefit of that you know the benefit for our peace and happiness and our lives and our, our family and that kind of stuff and of course as it relates to bitcoin our our, our quote unquote financial wealth and, and all the different manifestations of that but uh, that really seems to be why more developments happening in that space because there's like there's this there's this yeah that feedback loop just accelerates that process so everyone has that inkling of it and then once people feed into it whether it's podcasts or books or articles you almost feel like you got to jump on it like i don't want to miss out i don't want to not not be sharing in the in the in the development of the perspective that so many of these other people that I'm vibing with so well are doing, you know, and, and the end result of that is you, you get a cohort of people and a growing cohort that are probably rapidly diverging from the people you were describing earlier that are more or less asleep, you know? Right. And so, well, one of the things that Ken Wilber discusses actually is, um, and one of the actually interesting things about him in general, he has this thing where he talks, there's a green level. He talks about a green level of, of sort of consciousness. And he talks about the mean green meme. And that's sort of like, uh, and he, he nails it. I mean, he just perfectly nails it years ago, right? About like the authoritarian tendencies now emergent in the left, you know? I mean, you, you yeah. have them everywhere, but like culturally the left is more ascendant than the right, right? And so the authoritarian tendencies there will become more dangerous, right? Because mm -hmm. it's more dominant. Anyway, he calls it the mean green meme, and it's very interesting. But but what what he also talks about is he theorizes again. I mean, this is just a guess, but he says you know once ten percent of the world is at this you know second tier consciousness or above, then everything changes, right? It's like that. It's like that moment. It's like that's enough. So many people are there that they're doing things that is going to change the world, right? And this I think is fundamentally an important thing to think about with all social or movements or economic change. I get people all the time saying, but the majority are asleep, but we're never gonna get the majority. I was like, look, you don't, it doesn't matter that the majority never changes anything when it comes to stuff like this, right? It's a, it's a dedicated sort of intransient, like, um, or like just stubborn minority. Um, and so that, and so that's, you know, that's the thing. And, and I think the other aspect of, you know, let's say pleb ethos, Bitcoin maybe ethos is um, I think wanting humanity to thrive. Okay. And the fiat mindset is one where you are saying, I don't necessarily care what the system is like. I want to kind of be sitting up here on the system, right? Or the mm -hmm. parrot or the pyramid, right? It's, it's, it, that's the, that's the sort of zeitgeist in that. It's that whatever, you know, it, it might suck, but I want to be up here. Whereas I feel like Bitcoiners are like, no, you know, let's tear that thing down. Let's build a different system. And then I don't need to think about where I'm sitting there because I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be thriving and I'm going to be excited that my neighbor is thriving. And I think that's a big difference. You know, I don't, I'm not here to 
you know, measure myself based on dollars in my bank account or whatever, how much land I own or anything like that. I mean, I want to live a full life that is full of like love and happiness and meaning and purpose. And that's enough for me, whatever that means, right? As you said earlier, it's like, you don't necessarily have to have that goal, right? I want this size house or I want, it's, it's more just like, okay, if you dedicate, if you say to yourself, I want a life of happiness, purpose, meaning uh, consciousness, then you're going to probably end up in the physical meat space situation that is going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is just a, such a, a different mindset that we need to adopt, right? I think as many people as possible need to adopt that because I fundamentally think that the reason so many humans are miserable, okay? It's not, you know, I hate when people re- reply, when I criticize the system and they reply, oh, but you have an iPhone and you have air conditioning. <laughs> like, I mean, how shallow is that, right? You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, of course, like food and shelter are important. I mean, everyone knows that, okay? But gadgets don't make you fundamentally happy, okay? That's not a, that's not a, a measure of humans thriving. And I think that one of the things that is encouraging when number go up is seeing all these plebs saying, you know what, I can stop working now and be who I want to be. And that's beautiful, right? Because the fact that so many human beings are, as David Graeber would call it, um, you know, RIP, uh, bullshit jobs, right? They're, they're literally like, if you, if you, one of the things he noticed is if you poll people, the majority of people thought they worked in a bullshit job, right? In other words, like their job had no meaning. (laughs) Mm. And so they're just doing it because they have to pay a bill or whatever, right? But they really fundamentally think that what they get up in the morning, what cubicle they sit in is pointless, okay? And how how soul-destroying is that? Exactly. And so just imagine what this world or, right, this planet would look like if all those people could actually be living a purposeful life, right? It doesn't mean that they need to be the next, next Satoshi, but it's like, I mean, just how do we get to human thriving on a mass yeah. scale? Because we ain't there. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I, the line I use all the time is like, when I see a new all-time high or Bitcoin's pumping by a thousand or 10,000 or whatever, like it's exciting. But I, when I look at it, I'm like, I wonder how many people today got free. You know, exactly. they, they were just like, today is the day I, I unplug and I'm, I'm going to go and pursue the things that I find meaningful. I'm financially secure or whatever. And I totally agree that those people are the ones that feed into and construct and create a better world by being more, by engaging in meaning and purpose exactly. themselves. Right. And I think it's like everyone thinks it's such a mystery why we have so many social problems, so many mental health issues and all this kind of stuff is like you. you Really, it's that much of a, a mystery when most people get up every day and they're forced to basically forfeit their their life for something they hate doing. And then on top of that, have what what proceeds they do gain from doing that surreptitiously, you know, stolen from them as a result so that they're always just forced further and further into that. I mean, of course, that's going to destroy people's souls and people are going to look to substances and there's going to be angst and frustration and there's going to be violence and there's going to be bad relationships and there's going to be, you know, blah, 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 blah. I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to look back on this period and 
you know how we look back on the like the dark ages and our most people's image is like well poor peasants with dirt on their face carrying a basket of bread or fucking okay. carrots or whatever and you know it's that sob story of like people seem oppressed and downtrodden right. that's how historians are going to look at, at, at this oh, yeah. period like right now we just think oh we're at the height of civilization and technology and all this kind of stuff but from the vantage point of the scourge of central banking and false money being lifted and the you know the amplification of the human spirit that results from people being extricated from that system and being set on the course of understanding who they are and 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 de determining what they find meaningful and engaging in that from that vantage point they'll look back on now with horror they'll be like i ha and this is the thing they'll say how did those people not see it just as we say it now to everybody before us you know yeah exactly i mean i like to say actually that we're, we're not heading into a dark age we're in one right and that's and that's what i think you know it's fundamentally what i think the only question really becomes in my mind i mean i'm super optimistic on yeah. any like any like long-term horizon the only question in my mind is how long, you know, like how much of my life will I live in like the better paradigm? Like, I hope mm. it's a lot, right? I'm optimistic that it is, but, but, but exactly. I mean, that, that's how I see it too. I mean, we have so much low hanging fruit. Like that's why I'm optimistic. Cause you look around and you're like, it's not hard to see how easy it is to get out of this. It's really easy. It's like, everything is stupid. <laughs> everything is insane. So the only thing we need to do is to like, more people have the light bulb go off in their head and say, oh my, yeah, everything's insane. But that's where Bitcoin fits in too, because not only it allows the people that have the light bulb go off, right? A means potentially to financially get themselves out of it, right? It's mm -hmm. like every every thousand dollars up is like, that's one step further from the cubicle forever for some pleb, right? And that is like, is there anything that can bring you more joy than that? You know, I mean, some people, and it's sad, right? Cause they have a fiat mindset. Um, like to see other people trapped, right? Like to see people downtrodden because it pushes them up, right? They're, they're higher. And that's just, that's like the ultimate first tier consciousness, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think, I think, you know, I know the, the powers that be and what, you know, whether they be out of uh, incompetence or conspiracy, they play a big role as well. But, um, you know, I think that is one of the things that will, be something that needs to be overcome or be or people need to be cognizant of is that you know the crabs in the bucket right like the, the other people in your life or in in society generally will probably will will be probably one of the main forces trying to resist this what you believe to be such positive change and what we believe to be such positive change and you know if we go back to those the, the historical periods we were making analogies to before the fact is is that part of the reason why you know, a tyrant can gain so much control over a, a culture of people is because everyone has a tyrant inside of themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Everyone has something that they're frustrated about, they're angry about, and they want to unleash it. And the tyrant gives them license to do so. They either, they either get to unleash it vicariously through them, or mm -hmm. they get to turn into a mini tyrant as a result of giving, been giving sanction from the main tyrant. And so those are the people that will actually resist, you know, what we've mm -hmm. been talking about in many ways. Well, that, this is also why, you know, it's actually amusing to, to see the lack of self-awareness from so many in, let's say, traditional finance, right, or macro, because they're that perfect example, right? Bitcoin, um, 
Well, first of all, if you especially I mean, if those you, gold bugs that are against Bitcoin, they're the worst. <laughs> well, well, that, and, and also the, just the cantillionaires in general, because the, yeah. the problem is this: if you've been in Wall, like if your job, okay, is to make money, right? If you've dedicated yourself, right, your your entire person essentially, and that's what a hedge fund manager does, to making money. I don't care about ethics or this or that. I'm, I just want money, right? And that's how they think. Mm-hmm. And you miss Bitcoin. I mean, you failed. Okay, you're you're kind of a failure. And so that's why they hate it so much, because it's a constant reminder that not only have they dedicated their life to making money and they missed the best investment in human history, but some some pleb in a basement is, is rich off of it. <laughs> so that's just like, you know, for and I know these people, right? Because I because I, you know, I grew up around a lot of them and I also worked, right? And did meetings with them 24 seven for 10 years. So I know how they think. And and that's like not something you that's, you can handle, right, for most of those guys. And that's why they're also the latest to come around, right? And now you are seeing the parts of Wall Street come around, but it's even like even like Howard Marks, right? Like his son had to do it for him. Right? I mean, his son, yeah. his son had to buy Bitcoin for him because, because not because he's not smart. I mean, he's a brilliant guy. There's no question about that, right? So what what is causing, you know, so many brilliant people in the fiat world to miss it? And that's what it is, right? I mean, it's already the best investment ever zero to we're over a trillion <laughs> right or in, in in 10 years um it's very hard to accept that but here's the thing is i know you feel and i feel and a lot of you know people in bitcoin feels like human thriving right it's like if and, and we had this conversation in private when i encounter someone that is just like superstar bright like like i'm like whoa like how is this person this smart you know what i'm saying i'm like i think mm-hmm. i'm okay but oh wow like there's two ways to respond to that i think a lot of people actually respond to that with jealousy and there's and they're sort of like oh like uh, you know i don't that's not that that hurts my ego right whereas like when i see that i'm just like yes you know more of that right like i i want to feel really dumb okay i also want to feel really unconscious I don't want to be the most, I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I don't want to be the most conscious guy in the room. Cause if I am, we got problems, <laughs> you know? And so, so, so that's what I think that's the ethos. These are like, yeah, like oh, great, good for you. You know what I mean? Now go thrive. You know, I don't care about your car. You know, I don't care about your house. Right. I care about the fact that you're free, yeah. you know? And I think this is part of the reason why those FinTwit guys are becoming so repugnant to the Bitcoiners is because, you know, you hear them say, you know, oh, I'm objective, you know, I don't get uh, um, political or emotional about this stuff. It's all just numbers to me. And, and, and they espouse that as some kind of virtue, like they're being objective. It's like, no, 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 that you're not being objective here. You're actively, uh, you're actively resisting uh, something that's good, right? right? You're, you're, you're not, you're not accepting that element of it. And look, I, I, you know, I love digging into this you know, type these type of themes. So I don't, I don't apologize for them, but like the idea of truth as a judge, right. Again, in the religious domain and the, in, in various other domains. And I think Bitcoin is one of those things where, and this is part of the reason why the cyber hornets shame so many people for not getting it and not, you know, understanding it and not, not adopting it is because it is so inherently political in, in, in its current, you know, in our current, uh, landscape that whether you adopt it or reject it you're telling people about yourself something about yourself either 
you yes. haven't taken the time to understand it and you, you know, you're kind of arrogant and incompetent or you do understand it and you, you know, your principles align with the incumbent system rather than this emerging system. But either way, you're going to be revealed in some way. And again, I think that's, that's probably a hallmark of, of truths generally. Yeah, it's like that quote about politics, right? Like you may not be interested in politics, but politics is interested right. in you. You may not be interested in Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is coming for you, right? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I mean, seen I mean, that I, around a bunch. I, have you seen people say that? Okay, that's yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's sort of how it is. And also, look, I take it as people, again, I, th I think it as people wanting, you know, humans to thrive. And I, I struggle with, look, I'm not the biggest fan, honestly, of have fun staying poor, not my favorite meme, um, <laughs> but I also misunderstood it at first also. It's yeah. not, right? It's not being like, oh, look at me, I'm rich. It's, it's, it's really be like, you're making a choice to stay poor mentally, right? Philosophically, not just materially. Like mm -hmm. you're by, by rejecting a, a, a new system that, that is so profoundly different and so, much, and so profoundly freeing, you are, ex, you are choosing poverty, not just, uh, you know, monetary. But yeah, poverty of the soul or something. Exactly, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's totally misunderstood. And, and I also misunderstood it at first too. But, but that's the thing, right? I mean, you know, you, you, it's easy to take a superficial fiat approach to all sorts of things. But mm -hmm. when you look down in the, in the deeper meaning, it's like the laser eyes thing, which I'll, I'm going to actually plan on writing about in the, in, the, in the pleb book. You know, as soon as I saw it, and then I found out it was 100K, I was like, yeah, the 100K thing. Like, you know what I mean? That, that's not why I did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't plan on taking off any lasers when, it hit, when we hit 100K. That's not what it's about, right? <laughs> I sort what, what, why I thought it was so powerful is because all of a sudden, right, like that day or those two days, remember when it first started? Oh, yeah. I'm like seeing all these plebs with laser eyes. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like looking at this, right? First of all, I, was, I thought it was visually appealing. And yeah. then I thought, I was like, whoa, this seems to be this emergent thing that's just kind of coming from like, the, like the bowels of Bitcoin, <laughs> like, like bubbling to the surface as I immediately liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I need that. I need that. So, so, like, so one, yeah, of plebs, exactly. one of the plebs sent me these. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. Awesome. That's fantastic. So, so, so to me, but, but what it represented to me was switched on and focused, right? Like we're switched on, you know, we're mm. switched on to a different kind of like wavelength, right? Or we're switched on to a frequency. And that's where we're trying to, advertise. And for me, it was also focus. It was also like, okay, lasers are focused. We are focused now, you know, not on a hundred K. I don't care about that so much, but focused on the, on the, the bigger picture of what we're trying to do here, you know, mm -hmm. and, and how we're trying to hack human civilization, which is at, at the core, I think what, what a lot of us are trying to do. And, and so I think that's also why it gets people. I mean, also like the, the way people reject it and, and just get so angry about it makes me like it so much more, right? Yeah. Because not only do they not understand it, but it, it's, it's the, the exclusionary, they think it's exclusionary, but it's not. You can put lasers on yours, right? But yeah. it's sort of what you said before, which, which, is, which is that with the masks, right? They're like, people want you to, to, they'll go up in your face and tell you you need to put a mask on. They're getting close, right? Because mm -hmm. they're, to, to them, it's unacceptable that you have a different opinion, that the television said, right, you're wrong. And it's the same thing with vaccines. It's like people get angry, like really angry at you if you're not interested. And I have very rational reasons for not being interested. But I also, I'm fine with your choice to go do it, right? But they get angry because you're not complying. Because maybe in the back of their head, right, most likely in the, in the recesses of that brain, there's doubt. There's mm -hmm. some doubt, like, about it. Because 
there should be. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 there's, there's all sorts of reasons to have doubts. I mean, two of the vaccines are right. They just canceled J&J &J today, or they said to not use it. Did you see that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so the point is, there's reason for skepticism. But if someone goes in and gets the shots, then they're going to be extra angry at someone who doesn't, because mm -hmm. their doubts then are magnified because they don't, they're not actually confident in their choice. Yeah. And, and you're stepping outside a line is, is making them even more insecure. Okay. 100%. Right. So that, so that's sort of, what, and I think the laser eyes is sort of the same thing. You know, it's I like, think, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying like deep down, I think a lot of people who are, who are very viscerally, you know, uh, hate it. Uh, it's sort of just like, they're annoyed that, that these people are, how dare you almost. Yeah. Right. How well, dare you? What I think about it all is that we, we construct our worldview to have some level of comfort and security about how to operate in the world, right? right? So we, we have a certain understanding of a great many things, and this helps us order our world enough so that we can push our objectives and ambitions through it, right? Because we need to have some understanding of the structure in order to you know, determine our behaviors in order to be successful in that structure, right? So we all have a worldview in the, in the modern globalized world and with mass media and stuff, it's very, very similar from person to person with minor differences based on background and conditioning and stuff like that. Um, and so that becomes, as we were saying before, really who you are, how you see the world is, is who you are. And, you know, Bitcoiners and people that challenge the status quo are are challenging that. And so as a result, they're fund, you know, you're, we are de facto fundamentally challenging who those people are, right? Because of their worldview. And, and in the big, in particular with Bitcoiners and with laser eyes and with have fun staying poor and with all this kind of stuff, what, what, what's happening in the Bitcoin culture is a proud, loud repudiation of the status quo worldview. And we're saying, fuck all of that. We're, we're figuring it out for ourselves. And to some people, nothing could be more offensive, right? right? Because, you know, not only is it, is it a challenge, but it's an in-your-face challenge. It, right. it, it's saying like, we don't respect your worldview one bit. And, and what, does that, what does that imply to that person? It implies, like you said, that they're wrong, right. that they've constructed in the wrong way. And as a result, they may be living in the wrong way and that they may be conveying meaning and value in the wrong way. You know, and it and it, it expands the domain of their doubt, and that's uncomfortable. And then you get the the pushback, you get the anger, you get the frustration, you get the aggression. You know. Yeah. Well, no, and th this is a great point with regard to let's say fiat billionaires. Okay, they, you know, my my fundamental belief has always been that so much of why they have that those billions, right, or in the position that they are, is to prove something and to have a certain status in the hierarchy that makes them feel that, that's constantly stroking their ego, that they're better, that, right? That they're here and everyone know, needs to know it. But, but more than that, right? That kind of personality, right? Demands worship, wants it, right? Wants everyone to think equally, right? That they are great. Like you have $3 billion, doesn't matter how you got it. You are someone to look up to. You are amazing, right? And that's, the, the, let's say the fiat mindset. Mm -hmm. And what I love about Bitcoiners, and I've always felt this way anyway, is like, we, we're like, you're a fiat billionaire, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, who cares? Like, you're nothing special, F you, right? And that drives them nuts. 
And so that's why I actually actively encourage this. Like I actively encourage to do the opposite of billionaire worship because they can't stand it. And if, if they could use some ego death more than anyone. And so I love that attitude. I think it's great. I think you're dead on as far as what, what's going on here. And it's crazy, right? If you think about it, and a lot of people have pointed this out, but cultures are very different, right? Like if you go down to Peru, Chile, whatever, like you're gonna to see totally different cultures, like people eating different, vibing different, right? All that stuff, tons of difference from where we are, even Colorado to Texas, right? But how crazy is it that with the diversity of humans out there, okay? And the diversity of culture, that every country basically has the same economic system, right? I mean, that, like that's not, that's not organic. That's not natural. That is completely, that's abhorrent. I mean, it's grotesque. It's top-down forced, right? Every country has a central bank. Every country has banking exactly the same, right? I mean, it's crazy. And so again, to your point, that is a religion, okay? The, 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 the banking system itself, the economic system that is dominant globally is a religion and it's a normie religion. And it's one that um, those who succeed in it, right, financially, will defend to the death, of course, because it's, it's what gives their ego um, food, right? So the success within that. So if you're challenging, if you're, if you're challenging the system itself and that system brought vast riches and fame to someone, that is, as you say, going to be taken as a personal attack, yeah. right? Yeah. And that person is not going to want to say, oh, shoot. Like for me, they don't want to do what I did, right? When I was on Wall Street. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, you know, I'm not special. <laughs> I'm just happened to be on a trading desk in Wall Street. That's why I'm making a lot of money. Clearly, I mean, nobody else quit with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know anybody else. And none of my friends that I worked with, you know, on Wall Street did a similar thing to me. So it's clearly very difficult for someone who succeeds within a paradigm to rebel against that paradigm. And that's what's going on. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And then the, you got the kicker where even the people that aren't succeeding in that, that paradigm, <clears throat> by virtue of them not succeeding and, and perhaps how they've come to not succeed, and certainly the cards have been stacked against people as we've been discussing, but nevertheless, they're gonna be almost asking for the system that's been disenfranchising them to grow in a false attempt to uh, resolve the issues that they're having. And so those people can be resistant to the proud, loud repudiation as well, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that comes down to, uh, and, and that's why I say that my two, my two favorite political movements are Bitcoin and localism. Yeah. Because it's fundamentally saying, this is, this is shit and I'm gonna do something about it. Okay, and so when it comes to localism, it could be homesteading, it could be you know making you know uh, more of a tight community with your neighbors, focusing yeah. on you know locally, and then with Bitcoin, it's clearly just rejecting you know the, the entire um, the system, financial system itself, you know. But but there there is, and this is the problem. So many people are, and I like to say this as well. It's like Americans, in particular, and I can speak to Americans because I am one, are. Obs are obsessed with focusing or humans humans in general are obsessed with focusing on symptoms right they look around and they say okay. this is bad and they're just like okay let's patch that up okay so income inequality and this is where i get upset with when it comes to like you know taxes now 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 wealth inequality 
is a huge issue, right? But it's an issue because we have uh, the system. That's exactly yeah. what it does. And so if you, if you go and say, okay, let's deal with wealth inequality by raising taxes, that solves nothing. Okay, right, because you're still leaving the system in place. And the people that can gain that system will just gain the system even more. And so, yeah, they make, or they'll avoid taxes because they're very good at doing that. And so it's like, that's the, that's, the, that's the appeal of Bitcoin to me too. It's that you're not tinkering around the edges of a system, right? You're not, you're not dealing with symptoms. You're saying, this is fundamentally flawed. This is fundamentally archaic. This is fundamentally bad <laughs> for, for human beings. This is better, right? And that, and that's, and that's the, uh, that's the difference. Yeah. Between- and 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 the beautiful thing about it is you're not trying to impose it on other people. You're simply saying, "I'm going to go this way, you go that way. Let's see what let's see what happens." And you know, I love how you're you're combining Bitcoin and localism. And I think this is a, a theme that's also emerging pretty rapidly. And we talked about Joel a bit and what he's doing with you know the cattle co-ops and stuff. Um, you know, how great, and I don't think this is very far off. I mean, some people are doing it already, including yourself, but how great would it be, you know, to have a community of people that are very much on the same wavelength like that, that are raising their own food and regenerating the landscape and have a beautiful surrounding and have strong families and can come together to eat and, you know, spend time in nature, be merry. I mean, that's the funny thing, like all these, all these you know, Bitcoiners around the world are becoming, and if if we're correct, going to be extremely wealthy people. You know, especially relative to the to the average person. And the things they want most in life is a healthy family. Uh, you know, good relationships in their life. You know, big dinners with all their friends. You know, routinely healthy and clean food. And that's pretty much it. You know. <laughs> well, that's interesting. You say that because. You know, like with Brandon, you know, the, the mushroom man of Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love him. But but anyway, the, you know, he, he, he brought up this idea, I think it was a little, maybe a month ago. He's like, let's do a Bitcoin camping trip. You know, we'll go yeah. out and we'll like roast, a, roast something over the fire and we'll just hang. And it's like, that's it, right? That's the mindset, right? We, we're, we're not like, let's go to Vegas and get, a, you know, rent <laughs> out the top floor, you know, like, or, or let's, you know, take this extravagant international trip. Um, and get, uh, you know, stay at a five-star resort, right? I mean, I'm not saying that's terrible to do. I'm just saying like what he, what he proposed is much more attractive to me yeah. and a lot of other people. Just like sit in nature, cook some food, talk to people that you like, right? right back. <laughs> you can do that in any state, right? right? You don't need to travel far at all. Yeah. And so, and that's what I, and that's what I love. And like, and, and that's where, and of course there's, look, we can't, you know this as well as anyone, we can't speak to everybody and and in bull markets, all sorts of like superficial people are gonna get involved and be loud and all that. But I've just seen enough, you know what I mean? Like I've met enough Bitcoin people in my life personally to know that there are so many out there. And I think there is this pleb ethos and that's core to it essentially is you know human thriving, freedom, right? And that's not just freedom to just be like, you know, it's it's, what that means to, to, I think, most Bitcoiners is freedom from having to participate daily in a system that you despise. Mm-hmm. And of course, we still have to. But, but your point, though, about the physical thing, it'll be interesting to see how this works out. But over the last two months in particular, with the vaccine passports and seeing 
human, human forking, I've never felt so frustrated that I couldn't live close to so many more of my fellow plebs. Like, right. I mean, that, that to me, I feel like we'd be fine, you know, because not because we, we'd have all the money, right? But because instead of going to a restaurant or a ball game where they're making you show a vaccine passport, we'll just like hang out in each other's backyards or something, right? Or, yeah. or open our own brewery, right? And go there without, right? And that's, and, that's, and that's the thing. So, you know, like, we'll see how this evolves. Like, you know, maybe the whole human paradigm will shift and, and life will be better. Or maybe we do have to, um, a lot of us like-minded ones will have to sort of um, decide to physically intentionally migrate yeah. to certain areas. So yeah, be I mean, I mean, and that's happening to some degree now with the yes. Florida and Texas inflows and that kind of stuff. But just the, the last point on that is like, I think, you know, Bitcoin is this mechanism for reorienting your systems of valuation and meaning. And that's like really profound. So in the fiat landscape, you have, you know, the total opposite of that. And it seems to be, yeah, I mean, it seems to be reorienting all that dramatically. And so, you know, we're, we're looking at it in a very basic way right now you know, because we're coming from, we're just trying to extricate ourselves from the existing paradigm. So we're just thinking like, yeah, all we need to do is, you know, spend time with each other, be in nature, have strong families, be safe, do some fun things together. But I, what I'm interested in seeing is how that develops into the emergence and in some cases re-emergence of certain rituals that, you know, maybe we lost in the past. Like Joel mentioned that, you know, for what he'd like to do in the future is when it's time to harvest an animal, he would like to bring the community together to celebrate, you know, the life of the animal and ceremonialize and ritualize, you know, the ending of life of that animal such that everyone can benefit from the sustenance that it provides. And like those types of experiences that are one super powerful experiences, I would imagine. Uh, and two, like really bring the sacred back into all of our lives. And I think there'll be many instances in, our, in, the, in terms of our food and in terms of whatever else in which we do that, we bring back the sacred or we bring back mean, you know, mm -hmm. the uh, maximal meaning and value into our lives. And that will constitute the things that we get joy from and the things that we think are the most deserving of our time. Yeah, it's interesting because it seems almost ironic considering that Bitcoin is a cutting edge technology that yeah. so many Bitcoiners are, are going to lead this archaic revival almost, right? I mean, that, yeah. that, that's the irony there, which, which totally will happen. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've even said a few times, I'm like, where's the modern day Eleusis going to be? I mean, are you, are you familiar with, with, with Eleusis or what that is? Very, very, yeah. Um, yeah, you're very, okay. So, yeah. so anyway, um, you know, anyone who hears that should go down that rabbit hole. But, but that's the point, right? I mean, that, that is... Look, if you've been down that road, which I know you have, as I have, you see how, you know, fundamental experiences like that have always been to human beings mm -hmm. and, and how powerful. And so there's just like, there's almost been this, at least in the West, 2000 year sort of blackout where, you know, I mean, if you wanted to experience, you know, let's say higher level drugs than alcohol, and, you know, it was like the year... 900, you, you essentially had to, you probably called the witch, right? I mean, you, you probably burned at the stake for something like that. Yeah. And, and so it's crazy how much we've lost um, in the modern world. And look, as someone that grew up, and I always say this, as someone who grew up in Manhattan, um, I become convinced now, I spent 28 years there, okay? I become com completely convinced that a huge, a huge reason for our craziness 
is our disconnection from nature. Mm-hmm. You know, and so being in a place, particularly like Manhattan, where you're completely, you're, you're closed off. Right? I mean, you can't really see the moon, you know what I mean? The stars, like it's just, you're, you're, you're shut off from nature. And so then what happens is your whole reality, the matrix there is human competition. The skyscrapers, the, 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 the homes, the money, right? I mean, that's your, and so like when you have so little connection to nature, it, it completely untethers you from the universe. Mm-hmm. And so being out here in Colorado for the last 10 years, I've seen such positive benefits from day one of being around nature more often. The cycles of the seasons, being so in tune with them. And that's why I lo- one of the reasons I love gardening, I'm a big time into gardening, is because it forces you to be very connected with everything and react to it as well. Like it's going to be 21 degrees in two days. I mean, it was 80s last week or 70s. Right? It's crazy. And that's going to affect my planting and I have to be aware of it and all that stuff. So, you know, that, that is, that's another, I think that's something that we're going to start appreciating more as well is, is this, we built these skyscrapers, you know, and we built this society that we think is so perfect in the pinnacle and we're, we've lost so much. If you think about, I'm, I'm envious, quite frankly, of, of some of the lifestyle of like, even like, let's say Native Americans or the ancient Egyptians, right? Who built these pyramids to reflect, you know, Orion's belt or whatever. I mean, <laughs> like who knows really what was going on there? Yeah, but let's, sure, let's sure. Just, that's another one. Maybe <laughs> next time we talk, we could talk about that. But, but, but let's just take the, let's just to, to, to not go down that rabbit hole. Let's talk about, let's just say like Native American tribes, like, like the Sioux or whatever. Yeah. I mean, think about the amount every single night, right? Every single night of their lives, they're looking up at the stars and that's what they did at night, right? I mean, what? <laughs> there's no light bulb. There's, so they're sitting there and they're contemplating the freaking universe every single night of their lives. I mean, that like their brains are just re- differently wired differently. You know, yeah. like on those moments when I go outside and the sky's beautiful here, right? Where high elevation tends to be clear. I mean, I look at the stars, it's just like, I'm just like, I need to do this more often. Oh, because yeah. it feels great. And, and I love the feeling of, because when I look up at the sky, right? If I look up at the night sky, I love the feeling of, I don't know shit, right? That's what it makes me feel like. I'm just like, okay, I can't possibly look at this and think I know anything about, yeah. rea- about reality. It's hard to look at infinity and still think right. you have a grasp on things. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I get similar feelings sometimes. I, I don't know if you were on this thread, but like um, with, a, with a couple other, ple- with a few other plebs about the float, you know, floating, you know, the, the yeah, isolation yeah, tanks yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah I, I get similar kind of feelings in there too. I'm sort of like, you know, more connected to something bigger, like something more vast that, because when your other senses are shut off, right? You're just like, it's like meditation and you're just laying there for an hour and a half and it's pitch black <laughs> and you're floating in water, right? I mean, it, it to me, it brings me, it brings me to like a, a place that seems familiar, but I can't quite remember. Um, but I'm like, okay, yep. You know, this, this feels familiar, you know, in, yeah. some, in, in some way, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what percentage of humans are having that kind of experience on, on a daily basis? I don't have it on a daily basis. You know, I wish I did. And mm-hmm. I think that's, um, I think that's going to be a huge part of, of our, our evolution, you know, is that, is, is that archaic revival, you know, it's connecting like the human being was doing that. The human being was staring at the stars every single night of their lives up until the last hundred years. Right. Yeah. That's what, that's what we did. So we yeah. clearly lost something. Yeah, and I think you know the, the the modern skyscraper. There's a good analogy there to like the Tower of Babel sort of story, you know. But I, I think we in in the movies, our future is this like uh, sterile steel, like no sharp edges, sort of 
futuristic city and flying mm -hmm. cars and stuff. And who knows, you know, who knows how things will play out. But I tend to think you're right. Like we're, we're going to go back to nature and we're going to find a better relationship between technological advancement mm -hmm. and the amplification and rege regeneration of nature and, and the, and the re-sanctification of it, you know, and it, it's, you know, I, I totally agree with your characterization there. And, and one of the things that, so when I do my psychedelic trips, I am outside from, you know, let's say all night long, right? So from midnight to, to the morning and whether or not it's a rainstorm or it's a nice evening, like it does not matter. I'm out in the elements. And um, one of the things that, especially in that heightened, or at least we'll say altered state of consciousness, I, I, I think it's heightened, but you know, differing opinions, but um, you become so much more aware of the rhythms of nature. And that's just me being out there for like five hours, as you're saying, like, what if you were someone who like, you know, indigenous populations in many places, you're always in that environment. And so the, the rhythms of nature and the, the, the signals you get from it and the things you can intuit about it are so, it's like another universe of, of things when you compare it to the modern human in a concrete jungle that's been cut off from all of those rhythms and their rhythms are you know, when does their alarm clock go off? And, you know, I mean, they still have the sun, thankfully, but, you know, it's you, all the inputs are, are totally different and in many cases, probably toxic and not really serving people. And, I, you know, again, in keeping with this characterization of, you know, the, the, the common plebs realizing this, realizing the facade or the folly of how we've been constructing things and how we've been living, there is that desire to, you know, go back to the land as it were, at least in a certain capacity for, for, for the value that they're now perceiving in that domain. And we will find out as this culture emerges, like what's the proper balance between the two? Like when we have these, will we have these uh, cattle co-ops with your Bitcoin mines and you know, your, you know, your flying cars next to it or how, who knows how that'll all play out and it'll play out differently for everyone in different places. But it's, it's a really encouraging trend in my opinion, let's put it that way. Yeah, and that's why I like to mention Bitcoin with localism as well, because yeah. unfortunately, a lot of, you know, I've had this experience on Twitter, some hardcore, let's say homesteading or localists aren't a big fan of Bitcoin. And I think that's such a shame, you know, because again, it's, it's sort of the mindset of we really need to go back, right? And Bitcoin is going in a different direction, which it is, right? But I, I like what you're saying in, in the sense that there's a lot we've, we've lost right? There's a lot we're missing about how human beings have always lived mm -hmm. that we've just forgotten about or rejected entirely or don't even know that we're missing. And then there's stuff like Bitcoin, there's modern technology and there's things that we like, okay? You don't, it's like, it's not this one or the other. And I think right. that's, it's, it's that she, the human being today is just living so out of balance um, with what I believe is a happy human life that restoring that balance is of the utmost importance. And I think what a lot of Bitcoiners see, right? Now, a lot of people see us as crazy for seeing this, but what we see is that Bitcoin is a means, a, a, a good means, right? Uh, a means you can get behind to an end, right? I mean, I like to say Bitcoin is a teacher. It, 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 it teaches you that what's possible, right? What, what can be, and it teaches you to get out of the current mindset. Um, because so many people just, as you say, they just accept 
reality as it is today as the pinnacle of human civilization. But I, we, we both agree we're in a dark age <laughs> or we might be exiting, slowly exiting a dark age. Into the um, Renaissance, right? I, I mean, exa exactly. Like you don't know, I, I know we're, we haven't been in a Renaissance, <laughs> that's for sure, right? And I can say this as someone who's a total beneficiary, right? I'm, yeah. I don't have a bone to pick as far as like my personal life. I, I am like the consummate beneficiary of the fiat world, okay? Like I, 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 my parents are well off. I grew up, I went to top schools. I didn't have any want materially. I went to Wall Street. I was super successful in the fiat world and I could have continued to be. You know, I don't have, there's absolutely no, let's say traditional rational reason for me to be so disdainful of it. Right, right. <laughs> the the only reason I am is because I think it's total nonsense. And that's the beauty that that that's what's so beautiful and you know I respect so much about your stance. And there's many plebs in that position, right. I, and I'm I'm one of them. You know, it's right. like it's because so many people, they're they're the determinant whether they are against or for something is how it's worked out for them. Exactly. If I'm, if I'm on the short end of the stick, I hate it. If I'm on the right end of the stick or long end of the stick, I like it. And there's a lot of fintwit and fiat bros and all that kind of stuff that are in that class. But again, this goes back to the more principled approach. Can we objectively say something is right or wrong? And if we can, it doesn't matter if it serves us or not. We should be, we should be saying that it's right or wrong. Yeah, that's why it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, certainly personally, when people are like, oh, you're just pushing Bitcoin because because it's making you money. It's like, dude, your I was before Bitcoin. Stop. You know what I'm saying? Like making money has not been hard for me. Okay. Like I was making money in the fiat world. It wasn't difficult. Like stop, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that just, and I always say to people that say that, I'm like, that says more about you than it does about me. Right. Because, because to even go there is betraying its projection. Right. I mean, it's betraying how they think, you know, about the world. And I think, look, this goes back to what you said earlier, which is that the mindset of a lot of us is so, it's such a rejection. It's such a savage rejection. There's no nuance about it, right? I mean, there's no nuance to me, okay? I think the way human civilization is constructed right now is insane. Not just like, oh, it could be better, like fundamentally insane and anti-human. Now we can make it worse, right? And they're trying to do that. But like, like I say, the, probably the, the, the two reasons I'm most, well, there's a lot of reasons, but some of the reasons I'm most optimistic is, as I said earlier, we have so much low hanging fruit. I mean, you just look around and it's like, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. Like we don't need to live this way. All right. right. And uh, you know, all it really takes, really all it takes is like a light bulb, light bulb moment. And I actually am surprised by how many people I hear because it didn't happen this way to me, but it's pretty impressive. And I know you know this. How many people say that being interested in Bitcoin because the gains got them into Bitcoin and then that led them to all sorts of other things and all sorts of other, other realizations. Like they didn't stop there, right? They didn't stop with number go up. And that's interesting because it didn't, that's not how it, you know, that wasn't the exact progression for me. I already knew it was all nonsense, but that's encouraging, right? I mean, that, and that's what, and that's why Bitcoiners look like they're evangelists because they are, right? They're, they're like, come on in. That's what makes me so hopeful because now we're leveraging greed for good. You right. know, we're, we're saying come in for the gains and stay for the revolution or stay for whatever rabbit hole you want to go down. And 
you know, because one of the things for me that was always like, how do you get people to change so fundamentally? Because they've been so conditioned and propagandized. And it's like we've been saying, it's who they are. And even, you know, psychedelics, as powerful as they may be, you know, what are you going to do? Shove mushrooms down everyone's throat or something like that? But, that, you know, everyone, economics applies to everyone. Money applies to everyone. And everyone wants to increase, you know, better their position in life, you know, their financial position, they want access to more experience, you know, you want, you want more security. And so the fact that Bitcoin is fishing with that greed, right, just casting out the line and putting, putting mm -hmm. number go up on the hook and reeling right. people in. And then, you know, the propensity for people once they're in to start looking or getting exposure to different ideas at the very least uh, is high, right. And, you know, some, some portion of those people end up fundamentally changing and, and trick little by little, you know, gradually then suddenly. Yeah. And, and as far as the optimism thing, I mean, I remember having a conversation with one of my close friends, um, like one of a hundred that I told to buy Bitcoin in the beginning that listen, you know, that actually listened, like nobody listened. Um, but he did. Right. And we're closer friends now for it. Okay. Yeah. Cause we've yeah. ridden this train, this crazy train the whole time. Um, I remember having a conversation with probably 10 to a hundred bucks. Right. Like I was trading on Mount Gox and I remember saying to him, like, cause we were talking about how much Bitcoin we had or how much money we put into it. And I remember saying to him, I was like, ah, well, if it does what we think we can, it will and goes to 10,000, there's gonna be plenty of dips along the way, right? I remember saying that. But as I was saying it, I remember thinking like, it's not going to 10,000, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew it could happen, but like, if I had the probability it, you know, I still would have said it's, you know, 15% likely. Right back in 2013, let's say. Yeah. So the fact that me and you are right here right now in 2021 at 63,000 and this whole freaking subculture that's developed around it, taking over the world in a lot of ways, right? Like nobody can ignore it. I mean, did I think it could happen? Yes. Am I still kind of like, holy fuck, it happened? Yeah, you better believe it. <laughs> and that makes me optimistic. Yeah. Because it's sort of like, it's, and this is what like a lot of fiat bros, they can't get over because it's like, how is this not dead yet? How is this not dead yet, right? Like this should be dead. Um, it's hard not to be optimistic that Bitcoin has actually gotten to where it is today. Like it, it's, it's, it's stunning. Oh my God. I mean, it, it, stunning. Abso absolutely. And the, the amount of the hope and excitement and enthusiasm that in inspires, I mean, we and everyone else are living proof of that. I mean, it, it's, you know, there's, there's a wave of change coming and, you know, right. we're surfing it right now. And sometimes it's hard to, you know, see the wave you're on sort of thing. But, you know, I think we try as we might to do that. And if we're right, I mean, if we're right here, we're on the precipice of what, I mean, one of the most fantastic changes in the human story. And how could you not be excited about that? How could you not want to feed into that? You know, I get messages all the damn time about people saying like, you know, I want to contribute to this thing in some way, you know, not, not looking for money, not trying to necessarily make money right off the bat, but they're just like, I get it. I'm in, how do I participate? Right. How many and things then, inspire that? And exactly. And that's what I was saying before, right? Like one of the, one of the uh, symptoms, let's say of, of, a, of a second tier consciousness is precisely that it's, it's precisely feeling like you have so much in you that you want to give it. Right. Or, or you have you have you have something to share, um, you know, as opposed to. What's in it for me or how can I how can I how can I take 
right? How can I extract? It's, it's, it's how can I give? Mm-hmm. And of course it's not black and white, right? Like we're all taking to some degree and we're all giving to some degree, but it's like the fiat world con- conditions a human to take, to extract. That's it puts, the, you, that puts you in such a circumstance of depravity and that's gotta be one of the reasons for that, you know? Well, you're incentivized to be depraved. Yeah. That, that, that's the incentive structure, okay? Incentives rule the world. Mm-hmm. And, and so in, I mean, <laughs> and so in Bitcoin, the incentive is, is not. Right. I mean, it's like you, 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 you buy some Bitcoin, you sit in it, you learn about it, and then you try to improve yourself. I mean, I've never seen a group of people that were so, as you said earlier, just like thirsting for how do I improve myself? How, you know, like, you know, what, what, what did you do to improve yourself? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, just the other day when we were talking about the um, like modern day Eleusis and there are all these plebs coming in talking, you know, I have no idea who they are. Right. But I've seen yeah. them they're smart as heck. And talking yeah. about like, well, okay, well, this is what you should do with a with your ice bath. And okay, well, I'm, I'm my job is I want to build spas. Like, this is how I'm going to build spas. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is amazing, right? Yeah. Who, are these, who are these people? <laughs> yeah. Who are these plebs, right? But it's it's great. It's like this. It's this like human like web. And um, I hope that it would be great if Brandon actually wrote an article one day about like, you know, comparing the pleb culture to the mushrooms too, fungi. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he will. Um, <laughs> last, last two things. I, the book. I've been trying to remember the book. It escapes me now. Written very. Uh, I think it was last year. You may have read it, but anyways, it was looking at uh, Eleusis and the foundations okay. of Christianity. Yep, yep. Have you read that one? No, no, no. But it's the key. It's something key. Yeah, yes, Immort- yeah. Immortality key. It's the That's immortality it. key. That's yeah. it. That guy was on Rogan. Yeah, good book, good book. Um, but speaks oh, yeah. to the importance of that institution and how it was carried to different places and how it was quelled in Eleusis and went underground in Rome and stuff like that. Interesting book. Uh, but speaking of books, and you know, I, I didn't ask you at the beginning of this how much time you have, but you know, I want to let you get back to your life. Uh, <laughs> but this, uh, the the Pleb Network working title book that's being worked on. Did you want to? mention anything about that or sure i mean it's it's going to be interesting so obviously we're both writing a chapter in that so i, I just wrote like i just wrote a tweet the other day because i really felt it you know yeah. i am a writer um but i'm a writer that gets very scattered and also i go from one thing to the other and i, I just tweeted i was like i should write a book called the pleb network but i'm too lazy which is all true <laughs> <laughs> i am i am too lazy um or busy with other things and I should write it, you know, because I because I I think I could express a lot of the things we're talking about in written word. And then you know Nick can't mind came at me, you know, one of these Zoomer guys, uh, young Nick, uh, yeah, who who of course encourage all these Zoomers like in Bitcoin are the most encouraging probably. Uh, yeah. But he's like, you want a co-author? And I was like, and even then I was like, that's ah, still too lazy. <laughs> some, pleb, some, some pleb wrote, you know what, you know what, we should pleb source it. And I'm like. That's a great idea. That makes a lot of that, sense for the Pleb Network book. Right. I shouldn't be, you know, I'm also too lazy. But so then I was like, let's do that. Let's Pleb source it. You know, who, who wants to write? And then Nick was, and then I also followed that up with, I'm too lazy to organize that even. And Nick, and Nick was like, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take charge. I mean, I hate organizing stuff. Just <laughs> I'm the, I'm my desk, like I'm very unorganized. But anyway, um, so Nick was like, let me, let me take this over. And so he then got together a bunch of people who are gonna contribute a chapter. And we're just gonna write basically um, a book about how we see the pleb network how we see pleb culture, how that's helping us, how we think it's helping, could help the world, you know, and I'm, I'm planning on writing the forward to it, the introduction, 
And so I'm excited to do that. I'm very excited to do that. And I'm yeah, excited I'm, to do everyone else's yeah, contributions. So um, yeah, I think I think the the goal here is to have it written and, and done by the summer. So we'll see. Like we'll see, we'll see if plebs can pull it together. <laughs> we'll see if all this pumping up we've been doing of plebs is actually right. real, if it's just bullshit. <laughs> exactly. So 2000, the next having. We're like, oh yeah, it's coming, guys. Don't worry. But we'll see. Yeah. Plug power, man. Yeah. Uh, we'll do it. I'm, I'm sure we could speak for another two and a half hours or, or longer, but uh, I'll let you go for this round and we'll, we'll kick it back up some other time. But any any final comments before we shut it down? No, not really. I mean, other than the fact that, you know, this is happening because of the Pleb Network, um, you know, just getting to know people, connecting with people, and then just having these like little symposiums, right? Little like philosophical chats. I mean, you can't, what's better than that? You know, I, rather than me like having these thoughts in my head, you know, it's it's much better to talk to somebody about it. So, thanks Thank for doing it, John. Well. Love your work. I like the way your brain thinks. And um, uh, anytime you want to do it again, I'm I'm down. Hundred percent. We'll uh, maybe around the time of the book. That seems like a fitting time to have another that chat. Probably would be a good time. Yeah, we can get yeah. maybe we can maybe get like a bunch of plebs on it. Maybe Let's maybe see. we do it with all everyone who's contributing. Yeah. That that sounds exactly. right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, man. Well, look, you keep up the great work as well. I really appreciate, you know, your voice and the things that you write about and, and say on Twitter. And um, I look forward to doing this again uh, whenever we get, get back together. Definitely, John. Thank you, man. All right, brother. Take care. You too.